0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install.
1: For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now.
2: This is the Opening Drive Podcast
3: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 7:01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and the Cardinals' magic number to clinch the National League central, central is a dozen. Cousin, good morning, CD.
5: How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Randy? Good I'm doing morning. Well. Last night was great. It was. It was a good game. Good win. Uh, got to see a uh, an RBI from from our guy, and you know, got to see some some good action. No you doubt. You the, 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 the career
4: battery record. Two things that we will never see again. For those that were at the game, those of you that were watching on Ballet Sports, of course, Danny Mack had the call. Two things that you'll never see again. Number one, of course, the 325th start with Adam Wainwright on the mound and Yadier Molina behind the plate. And the other thing you got to see last night, and we'll hear it here in a moment, is RBI number 2,200 for Albert Pujols. Now, RBI's were not officially counted until 1920, so you got to put a little parentheses since the official stat became a stat in 1920. But there's a long time. It is, yeah, more than 100 (laughs) years in my math, right? Indeed. And so Albert is number two all time on the RBI list, and that's pretty good. And and again, since 1920, that's why Babe Ruth isn't on the official Major League list.
5: Still, a lot of players that have played in that hundred years, uh, and and. To be on, on so many lists, top five, top three, is just spectacular. It, it is something that, as a Cardinals fan, we, we are truly blessed here in St. Louis to have witnessed so many great players, so many great teams, mm-hmm. to witness what we were able to see last night with Yadier and Wayno, it's just, it's just something that when you, when you grow up and grow older and, and you talk to your kids, sports in, in this mm-hmm. town, those are the things that you're going to be talking about.
4: Carrie, there have been 22,000 Major League Baseball players, more than 22,000. Here's the list. Albert Pujols, ninth in hits, 4th in homers, 5th in games, 6th in at-bats, 6th in plate appearances, 11th in runs scored, 2nd in runs batted in, 2nd in total bases, 3rd in extra base hits, 5th in doubles, 32nd in walks. Second in intentional walks, eleventh in times on base, fourth in sacrifice flies, tenth in grand slams, fifth in multi homer games, first in pitchers with a home run against, obviously, uh, and career wins and games played. He's fifth all time, tenth in multi hit games. I can go. I can go on. I got more. I got more. <laughs> uh, first in fifteen plus home run seasons, first in one hundred plus RBI seasons, second in walk off homers third in walk-off RBI. He's
5: just pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty (laughs) darn good. I think when I hear those numbers, the thing that instantly jumps out to me is just the longevity, the ability. I I think people don't really understand how hard it is not only just to play that long, but to be that good for that long. To have a career where that expands 20-plus years, and you are one of the top players year in and year out, obviously you're going to have some some duds and you're going to have some seasons, but a dud for him is, is his lowest was 17 home runs, correct? Yeah, right. In a season, that's a dud. And, and, and in some people's lives, that's a a a career. That's a career year. So it's just for me, it's it's awesome to to like I said to be a part of it. Obviously, he left for for a time, and mm-hmm. and we don't. But we don't count that, right, Randy? We don't. We don't no, speak about no, that. That, don't, don't that never even that. happened. No, we uh, we scratch <laughs> that from the record, and, and he's been a Cardinal his entire <laughs> life, the, enti- and the entire all career. All those are yeah. to the Cardinals. All yeah. those Cardinals records.
4: So last <laughs> night, in his first inning of play, Yadier Molina was playing in his eighteen thousand two hundred twenty. 4th inning. Adam Wainwright was on the mound as those two made their 325th start together.
6: Yanni with the special helmet. He and Waino at the top. The number 4 and 50 on each side is Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina will make history here tonight. With start number 325 it'll pass Mickey Lowlich and Bill Freyant of Detroit nearly 50 years ago. Wainwright on the season a record of ten and nine with an ERA of three 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 and he's coming off a couple of subpar starts for Waino. and looking trying to bounce back this duo in terms of team victories when they start two hundred and twelve that also a major league record there was a Hyundai pitch Arsenal the first batter of the night will be Christian Yelich and with that pitch it will be history. gazing into yachty gets the sign in the first pitch a strike in with that pitch yadier molina and adam wainwright have set the all-time record they have made the most starts as battery mates in the history of major league baseball number 325 a number that will never be reached again start number 325.
4: and Kerry, that was so cool but something i didn't think of as everything was unfolding last night and Adam Wainwright certainly did. He was asked if there was a moment that stands out to him from this game.
1: Uh, well, I mean, one I'll tell you one moment that was really special was when Yelich took the first pitch. I mean, I thought that was just a really classy move, and you could tell he was just going to um, kind of give that to us, you know, and I uh, thought... It did it did cross my mind that you know he's a great hitter, got a lot of power. you know he hits the first ball into the stands. It's like do I want that ball back? I don't know you know it's a first it's a pretty cool ball, but it's also not very cool. So I appreciated him doing that. That was a that was the the, the moment of the game that I'll think of. but I, I think more than anything, more than that, I'll remember walking in from the from the bullpen with Yadi and just the crowd going crazy.
5: You know, as as professional athletes, we are we are aware of of what's going on around us and and the things that are being said. and And Christian Yelich clearly knew what was what that moment meant. Uh, he didn't lift the bat off his shoulder. He mm-hmm. he 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 took the pitch, knowing full well what that meant. They were going to toss that ball to the dugout and make sure that it was protected and put away. Uh, and and Wayno understanding that he that Christian understood that moment and he spoke about it. that's that to me is a mutual respect amongst professional athletes and understanding hey this is a great moment for us uh as he said I, I hope you don't swing and hit this ball out of the park and somebody has to go go find it um but yeah it it's just it's it's that moment for for Yadi for Bueno um and even for Christian Yelich to be a part of that that all of that will be be part of his history as well so you know kudos to all involved it's just It's a cool moment. It's an awesome moment to to be able to see that first pitch strike. He threw it down there. It was a strike, yep, right. <laughs> and 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 to see Yadi toss it in there is good for them.
4: So Adam had to traverse some traffic in the first inning. allowed A couple of hits and a walk. Whoa, whoa, whoa! But he got through it. <laughs> uh, in the second inning, though, Tyrone Taylor with an RBI hit, uh, sacrifice fly rather, that puts the Brewers up by a score of one to nothing. But Nolan Arenado responded with a homer in the bottom of the second. Later in the second inning, Donnie Baseball is on base. Alec Burleson is on base. And who else is at the plate but Yachty?
6: The pitch to the right-handed batter, a swing and a base hit left field. That scores Donovan. 2-1 Cardinals in the second. Burleson stops at second, and Molina breaks an 0 for 8, driving in his 20th run of the year.
4: That's John Rooney on the Cardinal Baseball Network 2-1 at that point. Newt hit a home run in the fifth inning to make it 3-1. And then in the seventh inning, the Cardinals got on the board again to give them their final score. And here's what happened as they went through that fifth inning. As uh, After Newt had hit the home run in the fifth, the Cardinals came through with Albert Pujols in the eighth. On its way, Albert
6: a line drive into the gap in left center, and that ball is down. O'Neill will score easily. Albert Pujols on his way to second. Four to one, St. Louis,
5: and RBI number 2,200 for Albert. That that is a that is a remarkable. At top three in in Major League history, and and it's funny, Randy. We know that he has the the where he is for the home run chase, but it never it never dawned on me how many RBI he would have, and and how he would be. That high or ranked that high. Clearly, if you're hitting home runs, you got a lot of RBIs, right? Mm-hmm. But I, it just didn't dawn on me that he would be top three. And then you, you ran down all of those numbers where he's top five, top ten. You know, it, it's I, I, there are not not enough words to describe Albert Pujols and what he has meant to this Cardinals team, to this organization, to this city. Uh, and I'm I'm truly thankful, and as should St. Louis fans, that he came back for this final year to be here to partake in all of the things that that have going on this year. Now we got we got a, we got a couple of more things that mm-hmm. we're chasing. The ultimate goal is still the, the World Series, but but just finishing out this season the way it has been has been very good. And there's definitely a segment of the baseball
4: fan base and the the front offices that believe that the RBI is an overrated statistic. It's a product of luck. But Albert Pujols says his favorite two statistics are runs scored and RBI. He said our objective is to score runs. Indeed. And so I am, with all due respect to the numbers people,
5: I'm going to go with Albert on this one. I, I will as well. And for for all of the numbers that they spew out there, how do they? How do they? I don't know, how man. is how is RBI one of the things that is is not high on the list of of, of importance?
7: You look at me and tell me how the he- how the heck sacks and tackles have been yeah. so screwed up in, in, in NFL scoring? It's completely it's completely blown. And uh, with
4: Albert again. I'll do respect to you numbers, people, but Alberts played in 1,651 winning games, which is fifth all time. So. Which is
5: probably how many? 1,651? Yeah. More than anyone that is writing those numbers down. So. <laughs> right. So it's 325
4: for Adam Wainwright and for Yadier
1: Molina. Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot to manage, honestly, early on, especially, you know, just the crowd was so awesome and, um, you know, making me just get constant chills and tearing up and, um, you know, just trying to manage my adrenaline because it wanted to just go through the roof and uh, changing jerseys every inning, you know, for whatever, for the for the hologram on there and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was just a lot, you know, but um, we needed that game, but we won the game, so that was important. I left a small village out there, a big village out there on the base pass today. <laughs> a big village. Yadier
4: Molina, his reaction to 325.
1: Such a great feeling uh, just to reach out that number and to be part of that um, lease and to be on top of that list. Um, it's just such a great feeling.
4: And so, Kerry, here we sit. We mentioned right at the top, magic number is 12. So any combination of 12 Cardinal wins and Brewers losses gives the Cardinals the division. But after last night, Mets lost, Braves lost. Cardinals yeah. trail those two teams by four on the loss side. And granted, there are only 18 games to go, but I asked Adam Wainwright if that's kind of a carrot for he and his teammates.
1: It's right there, right? Might as well reach for it. That's what we're trying. I mean, that's uh, something we decided a week ago or so. It's started looking at that Mets-Braves team, and I don't want to give too much away because I don't want them know when we're trying to catch them, but uh, they probably know that. Um, That was something we decided as a team that, you know, the the worst thing that can happen is we get complacent and get comfortable with this big lead we have. There's an opportunity ahead of us to to reach that carrot that you said, that whoever's ahead of us get that number two seed. Um, That's a real thing. That could happen. I mean, I've seen this team come back from ten and a half in September, so, you know, four doesn't sound like a whole lot to me.
5: Might as well keep playing, right? Just keep going. Yeah, you, you got something to play for. You you are you're you're comfortable with where you are in the division versus the Brewers. And as he said, that that carrot is still dangling for them to possibly, potentially get that number two seed, which is vital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is critical. To give you home home playoff advantage, and and you those are the things that in a time like this where. All of the other things, all of the outside factors are going on. You got 325, you got 700, you got Triple Crown, you got NL MVP, 1 and 2. All of those things, you understand that all of those things are taking place, but the team goal is always the ultimate goal for every player in that, in that dugout, in that clubhouse. And so to know that, they had a conversation about it a couple of weeks ago or last week where they said, hey, hey this, is, this is attainable. We can reach this number. We can get these guys if we lock in and dial in and play our baseball. And now you understand that everybody is that they are. I said this. I said this maybe maybe a couple of weeks ago, when the trade deadline hit and and you started to see the transition of this team and how they started you know ascending in in the direction they they did. That was really the start of the playoffs for them. Yeah, that was the time where they understood. Okay. We got the Brewers. We can take care of this division. We can solidify that. And now we can actually chase down other teams. We can chase down the Mets. We can chase down the Brewers. We ain't going to catch the Dodgers, but we can, no. chase down, we can chase down those other two teams and put ourselves in a position. Two or three weeks ago was, was when the playoffs began for them, and they, they, they understand that they have enough veterans in that clubhouse, enough guys that have been there, done it, to say, hey – we can make this happen and we did it last year. We went on a winning streak. We went we went on a run last year. So let's 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 do that again.
4: By the way, the Dodgers are uh, there are 54 games over 500. <laughs> hey, hey, not, not
5: not, no way. not 54 <laughs> games over 500.
4: <laughs> and tonight the Cardinals open a five-gamer against the Reds. Miles Michaelis on the mound for the Cardinals. Chase Anderson, who's kind of scuffling. Major League player. He's one of the 22,000 Major League players that have ever played. But he is 0-3 with an earned run average of 9. So hopefully he'll be an easy mark for the Redbirds tonight. Get to
5: him early. Get yep. him up
4: early. That's the key. And... I was listening last night. I I thought the Dodgers were going to win. They actually lost to the Diamondbacks five to three. So you aren't catching them. They got ninety eight wins. But <laughs> some, somebody beat them, which which is a good thing. Coming up, sick of it on one hundred and one ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero.
3: You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on one hundred and one ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: Your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Time for Sick of It. And, Carrie. this is a product of Michelle Smallman. So, a couple of years ago, Bradley Beal was scoring 40 points a game, Mm -hmm. and his team kept losing. Okay. And so he scores 47 one night, and they lose. And his wife hops on the social media and just tweets, sick of it. And so, Michelle thought it was more sick of it right and I was thinking more, it was a more <laughs> sarcastic sick of it so uh, that's how with this okay that, I, that's I like how that. how we got to sick of it uh, Kerry you know what uh, we we're talking a lot last couple of days with the Jordan Cairo contract about the Blues not being able to keep Ryan O'Reilly under yep. the salary cap there has to be a mechanism in pro sports to allow the teams to circumvent the salary cap for one player all the time, mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. That teams can't keep their most
5: popular players around because of the salary cap. There needs to be a Larry Bird rule in every sport. Where yeah, where you the the guy that you the person that you want to to keep around and and tag him as that. Uh, I don't know, is that is that is that number off of the, the salary cap? Does yeah, it not count yeah. towards the salary cap? Yeah. And you can pay him or, or her whatever you choose to pay? Right,
4: yeah. And, and you could even put a number, like, take the average NHL salary, whatever okay. it might be, okay? And so Ryan O'Reilly, his salary would count what the average salary okay. is. But if you're the Blues, you can
5: pay him anything beyond that. It's your cash, right? and it's one guy to keep right. in town. I, I like that idea. I think that it, it does make sense because – one thing about uh, teams that have success, when you look at like the, the Golden State Warriors or, or the Yankees, they're generally paying luxury taxes for their players to win championships mm-hmm. because you gotta pay all of them people, and in order to have good players, you gotta pay them good money. So, it does make sense to to, to have something in place where I can pay Jordan Kyrie, I can pay uh, uh, Robert Thomas, but don't leave me out to dry when it's time to pay Ryan O'Reilly because I I... He deserves the money right. as well. So yeah, I I agree with that. I, and, I'm okay with and that. And maybe you could set up put another qualifier in there that the the, te- the player
4: has to have played with the team for five years. Yes, They've been in the city for five uh, years. I,
5: or I think maybe if that's the player that they drafted. Maybe if, it's, if it's a guy that they drafted and, and, and now it's time for him to come up on his, his second contract and we want to get him paid. That spoils my Ryan O'Reilly career. Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> but I, but I'm just saying, we, well, you know, in business, in in, in discussions, and yeah. negotiations, somebody, you, you, it's Your a give and take. you a guy. Yeah, somebody so, that you drafted. Alex and, and Petrangelo. For there the you Bulls. go. Aaron Judge with the Yankees. There you go. You don't have to pay a tax. You don't have you. to pay a tax yeah. on him. You know what I'm sick of, Randy? I, a couple of days ago, Monday Night Football was was. We came in on Tuesday and we were talking about Russell. Russell wasn't said, "Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm 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 with it. I'm going for it. I'm I'm with the coach. I'm with the coach." I love everything. I love everything. And then the next day, Nathaniel Hackett, head coach, comes out and said, "Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have done something different." And then Russell comes out and says. Yeah, I wanted to go for it. I thought we were going for it. <laughs> I'm sick of them. I, I'm over it. Already. already. It's week one. I am sick of them. I'm sick of Nathaniel Hackett. I'm sick of Russell Wilson. Man, on to who, whoever you got this weekend. Just play the game. I, I'm sick of that. I don't want to hear no more about it. Russell Wilson used to be a beloved figure in the NFL. He's kind of become a villain now. You know why? You know why? The goal line. The uh-huh. pass at the goal line. That, that Let Russ that, that, that go. That, that is... That is... That is the The offensive coordinator that made the call, mm-hmm. that is Pete Carroll, who allowed the call, mm-hmm. and that is Russell Wilson, who said, "Yeah, I'm going to be the hero. I'm going and and maybe that's not his intention, but that's how it felt. Yeah. And from that moment, and and you can, I can still see Richard Sherman's face on that sideline. Like, what are we do- like? He it, it was uh-huh. it was tears coming behind that. Why would you do that? in that moment you got Marshawn Lynch Nobody behind you. Marshawn hand him the dang on ball and let him <laughs> score and let's win two yeah. super bowls come on so yeah i think that's when he became and and, and he's not really a villain but but in certain circles he mm-hmm. is he, yeah. he he's he's one of those nice guys that you just got to keep your eye on you know you you kind of like the the, the Scooby Doo cartoon where where it's the guy and then you take the mask off and he's the villain that 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 might be Russ.
4: and by the way how different does New England look? They're five and four. Not that that's bad, but five and four is a lot different than six and three in
5: Super Bowls. It is. Yeah. It is. It, it, and that's one less Super Bowl for for Tom, terrific Tom over yeah, there. Right? One less. I mean, yeah. the Giants did their part. The Eagles did their part. Why, Russ? Seahawks, what are you doing? Ooh, come on. <laughs> We're sick of it. Your text 65780 Matthew Rocchio, what do you got?
7: How can anyone hate Russell Wilson? Mr.
3: Unlimited.
4: Yeah, that's not, <laughs> that's not
3: hateable.
7: That's not hateable so, at I, all. I got it. Michelle, Michelle
4: has, like, she really hates the guy. So she sent me a text yesterday, uh, and he's just he, he's insufferable. He had another video like, He had a was, video of Faith Family Play. Yeah, g- yeah. <laughs> I saw
5: that's, somebody post it Someone was. posted, Yeah, they're going 0 17. <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs> Just a- Unlimited. God, he's the worst. Oh. Uh, sick of it. The weather giving us hope that fall will come and the temps will turn the corner, only to be disappointed by load of mid nineties next week. I have that, no problem with that. Welcome to St. Louis. Uh, maybe,
5: Texter might be your first run at this thing. <laughs> try, try the spring where it's where it's snowing in 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 April. <laughs> yeah. One thing about St.
4: Louis is we have beautiful falls and beautiful springs for all two or three days that we have.
5: It's either going to be freezing, it's going to be
7: hot, you're going to have
5: to wear a sweatshirt in the morning and and be in shorts by the afternoon. Who knows? (laughs) Who can figure this place out?
7: That's a very good point. Sick of reading and hearing that Bill DeWitt and John Moselleck are not good for the Cardinals. They are simply the best. This has been the best 26 years in Cardinals history.
4: I would argue that under the circumstances, market size, uh, availability of dollars from TV uh, revenue that you generate, the relative to what comes in, that they do as good a job or better than anybody else. I think they do relative to their revenues, a better job than the Yankees do. The Dodgers are perfect, they're great. But as good as the Dodgers under the circumstances. Because yeah. the Dodgers make twice
5: as much, more than twice as much, as the Cardinals do. When, when's the last time they didn't make the playoffs, or, or, or not make the playoffs, but what was it? Above 500 or below 500? Last
4: time the Cardinals had a losing season was
5: 2008, I believe. That's, that's a pretty long time. Yeah. No, I guess it's 2007. Yeah, Mo has never had a losing season. So, what are we complaining about? I mean, what, 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 I, and that texter is clearly saying he's sick of, of yeah. people that are complaining. Yeah. And I'm talking to those people as well. What are you complaining about? You, you can't go, go, hey, go root for the Pirates. Yeah. Go root for the Reds. Wow. And then when it's 25 people in the stands, then tell me about the GM and the manager and the, and the ownership group. There literally are folks out there,
4: and they'll text in, that expect the Cardinals to win the World Series every single year.
7: Gary, you're you're just you're being ridiculous. The Cardinals Clearly. could have traded for three future Hall of Famers in a five-year span instead of just two in a four-year span. And frankly, <laughs> that's not up to snuff in my mind. Two Clearly, in, two and no, sorry, two and three years, three and four years. Uh, it's just not up to snuff. I, I want I want three Hall of Famers. I got you. you I, I, that,
5: that's that's my mistake. Make a trade. Clearly. Get
7: off the wallet, the wallet. <laughs>
4: and, and by by the way, let me throw this out there too. When you look and, and hey we don't have to blow smoke for the Cardinals but there is, they, they've had 13 players make their major league debuts there's no way an organization that wins as much as they do and never picks in the top 10 rarely picks in the teens, they're usually picking in the 20s, there's no way they should have this many good young players.
5: They they do a great job in scouting and, yeah. and, and figuring out who can play and who can't and that is <laughs> as vital as it is to, to having veterans playing and making big plays when, it, when the time uh, comes up. That's Kerry, I'm Randy coming up Our friend Greg Amzinger of MLB Network will join us. Greg's going to
4: the Lindenwood game this weekend. Pretty cool. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're
2: back to the
3: Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: The Opening Drive, Randy Carricker Carrie Davis. Good to have you with us. We're efforting Greg Amzinger of MLB Network. CD, the Cardinals have a... Tradition that they've stuck to, mm-hmm. of only retiring the numbers of Hall of Famers. The only non-Hall of Famer that the Cardinals have retired the number of is Ken Boyer, who died prematurely. I'm of the belief that whether he makes the Hall of Fame or not, that number 50 of Adam Wainwright should be officially, not unofficially,
5: like 51, mm-hmm. but officially retired by the Cardinals. I, I agree. I think he has been one of the, the obviously one of the mainstays here, and and has. You had all of these records. He's done all of these great things. World Series champion. You have to. I I think that that you know it's just some things. You, sometimes you just have to do the right thing. Yeah. And, and regardless, there's an exception to every rule. And and Adam Wainwright in this case would be the exception to that rule, or one of the exceptions. Ken Boyer being another. You just have to do that because he is he is he is a he is a true St. Louis Cardinal legend. And you know. It's just fun to watch those guys do mm-hmm. what they've done, and watch him throughout his career. I, I saw a picture uh, on Twitter yesterday where the Cardinals put up their the Yachty's uh, and and Wayno's rookie picture, and it was I think it was the <laughs> Cardinals website, the uh, Cardinals Twitter page. It was amazing just to see those two young, they have no clue what's coming up ahead of them no. at that age. They don't know. They're just trying to no. find their way, trying to stick in and stay uh, and, and have a have a, a five-year career, a 10-year career, possibly. But to, to if you would have told those two young men at that time that they would be in this position right now, they probably would they i don't know what their answer would have been but i doubt that they would have believed that it was even possible and they're
4: both inherently
5: super competitive
4: and have maintained a level of high level of competitiveness over the years but i wonder and this is a question to ask when their careers are over I wonder how much of what they're accomplishing now is attributable to the fact that they started their careers with Tony Lewis as their manager. You've played for different yeah. coaches, and this is a guy that was super competitive, is super competitive, and he he brought the best out in his players
5: from that standpoint, from the competitive standpoint. Well, you when you play for certain people, when you have certain coaches, certain managers, there is an expectation that you have and that's why some managers and some coaches are hall of famers and others are not it's not just about the x's and o's it's not about you know pitch location and 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 all of these how to shift the defense it's about the mindset and and the the mental part of being a coach and allowing your players and how you speak to certain people you can't talk to each player the same way you mm-hmm. can't talk to, to to one guy one way uh, and another guy in the same way because you have to understand how what makes that person tick so playing for Tony obviously allowed those two to understand it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard work because to me Tony LaRusso is a hard nosed, grinded out type of manager and, and and has a demand and this is what you're going to do and this is how you're going to do it so to have that as a young player and understand that the work ethic that you need in order to be able to sustain in this league or any league, uh, I think that definitely helped them in their career early on. And here's where I am with Wayno. I'm not saying retire the number now. I'm saying that it should never
4: be worn again. But when he goes into the Cardinal Hall of Fame in three years, allow him to, to have the number retired, along with, by the way, Albert and Yadi. and those numbers never will be worn again. But I think we can fairly extrapolate that, Adam Wainwright, who missed 2011 with Tommy John surgery, missed 2000, most of 2015, only made seven starts because of the torn Achilles. And then in 2018, kind of thought he was done, yeah. made only eight starts, and then made only 10 in the COVID season. That's essentially four seasons lost right. for Adam Wainwright. If he's able to pitch three of those four, and I, I, again, I'm extrapolating, but he's an easy Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. If... if the injury bug doesn't jump right. up and bite him,
5: right? And that's part of it. I mean, sometimes injuries do take place, but I, what I what I appreciate most about Wayno is his ability to bounce back. You have, you know, injuries that, that Tommy John, where some pitchers don't come back and, and are able to do the things that he's done, an Achilles tear, batting coming out of the batter's box that for a pitcher specifically, trying to push off or, or land, it's it's yeah, <laughs> that is right. the difficult thing. So to be able to bounce back from those injuries speaks highly of, of who he is and, and his work ethic because there are times, especially after an injury where your body is not responding the way that you are accustomed to doing, for, for, accustomed to it responding, and you have doubts. You have th- times where I'm sure he had times where he's like, ah, this might be it. It might be over. Mm-hmm. I might not be able to make it back. But you have the mental fortitude to continue to push through and not give up and and not let those uh, that adversity deter you from from. Going forward and, and becoming continuing to become the great player that you are. And this is I literally was
4: thinking about this last night because this is going to be a long-term partnership with uh with us here on 101 ESPN. 2028, we're in Cooperstown with the rest of St. Louis
5: for Yachty and Albert. Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> That's can you imagine what that thing is gonna be like? <laughs> That's gonna be amazing. That's gonna be I mean, just to I, we've because we've watched them, we've seen their entire careers we were we were able to see the beginning and the end and and for for Yadi to see the entirety see it in its entirety for Albert he like i said we don't count those years so that never happened no, we take the numbers but we don't count We don't the count years. the years yeah. it doesn't matter so he's been a cardinal he's <laughs> been a lifer well, all the way <laughs> so we it will be an exciting time to watch those two men go in and and you know just and 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 to go in together if if that yeah. happens I think that makes that moment even more special for them. Because he was with the
4: Angels, I'm not a Photoshop guy, but I guarantee you that there's somebody that can Photoshop the Cardinal logo onto his chest and oh, cap yeah. for home run number 500 and home no run question. number 600.
5: Not a problem. He was here. Yeah. What, what are you talking about? He wasn't there. He was here. <laughs> it never happened, Randy. <laughs> we just did this at
4: 740 on a Thursday morning in St. Louis. We just somebody 10 <laughs> years
5: of time. Somebody out there send <laughs> a screenshot of it, sent a Photoshop. It, it, it never happened. It was was... was here he was a Carter for life we don't worry about that other stuff
4: cdm randy we'll try to get uh, greg later on in the show but coming up next get your text into the air comfort service text line 65780 for take it or leave it on 101 espn you're back to
3: the opening drive podcast on
2: 101 espn
3: presented by dobbs tire and auto centers it's time for Take It or Leave It. I want to say something? Want to Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it.
4: Get your text into to the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. Carrie, Randy, and Matthew, and CD as detailed by ESPN.com last year. Suns owner, Robert Sarver, is a bad guy. He's a scoundrel. He is hateful and hateable. And the league, after their investigation, suspended Robert Sarver for a year and fined him $10 million. LeBron James took to Twitter yesterday to write, read through the Sarver stories a few times now. I gotta be honest, our league definitely got this wrong. I don't need to explain why. Y'all read the stories and decide for yourself. I said it before and I'm gonna say it again. There's no place in this league for that kind of behavior. Take it or leave it, Kerry Davis. LeBron James gets Robert Sarver out of the NBA.
5: I'll take it. <laughs> when, going to, too. when when LeBron speaks in those terms, um, he his his words carry a lot of weight. And so him speaking on that and saying that this needs to take place, this is this is I, I, I was I would think I haven't read it, but, but from what I'm hearing it's it's equivalent or, or close to what happened with Donald Sterling yes. and and in a different way but but the same type of uh words and and speech and hate speech and how he's speaking to people and how he's making a a a company that that people work for uncomfortable to come to work every single day. So and we were talking about this yesterday how how crazy is it that Chris Paul was there in in with Donald Sterling and now he's there with uh with with Sarber mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and what they're going through it's, it's yeah, I, I'll take it. When LeBron speaks to people, when LeBron speaks about what's going on in this league, it definitely, uh, things definitely move around a lot quicker. And I wonder if
4: they had audio tapes like they did on Sterling. If the league yeah. had audio tapes, would this be different? I think it would. I think oh, that yeah. would get Sarver out of the league. That,
5: it, it definitely changes. I didn't mean to cut you off. It definitely no, changes. No, things. I,
4: I was going to give you one more quick, Tioli. Mm-hmm. LeBron James wind, winds up as owner of the Suns.
5: Oh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna leave it because that's good though. I do like. I, it took me a while. I'm gonna leave it only because I think they're going to. If they remove the owner, it'll be it'll happen in the next Quickly. six months yeah. to a year. Yeah. And uh, I don't think LeBron is in preparation for for purchasing a team at this point. <laughs> Can I say
7: it would be so terrible for the NBA if they get the two greatest players ever in their league? And they're owning teams in Charlotte and Phoenix. Yeah. No, 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 no offense yeah. to Charlotte and Phoenix. Great cities. Phoenix is booming as a metropolitan area. Yeah. But when I think of prestige, you know, towns and teams in NBA history, where maybe you'd want Michael Jordan and LeBron James continually associated with them, You're I just don't, I don't think the Charlotte Hornets and the Phoenix Suns. That's all I'm saying.
5: Phoenix had a pretty good team the last couple years, though. They have now,
7: but it's not a prestige. And they had some good teams with.
5: No, but they they have an opportunity to 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 turn it around. Charlotte. I don't don't know. Yeah, the football Cardinals left St. Louis (laughs) after
4: the 1987 NFL season. At that point, St. Louis was the number 17 market, and Phoenix was number 22. Mm -hmm. Now, St. Louis is number 22, and Phoenix is the number 10 market.
7: There you go. They have so many. Darn people! And yeah. It's one of it's just like Denver where they, it's gotten too big for like what they plan and the, the traffic is terrible. It's yeah. But it's yeah. So we were talking about this like a
5: couple of segments ago, and and you you brought this to my attention. Uh, September twenty third, the Cardinals play at Los Angeles, and the game is on Apple TV. And you said if if, if Albert is at six ninety nine. I take it or leave it. St. Louis fans are going to be it's going to be like a horror movie where you'll see people <laughs> foaming at the mouth and pulling on their face and what are we doing? Why can't we see It's going to be terrible. I'll take it. He yeah. said <laughs> 699 on that day. Unbelievable. Oh. So it's a game in LA. Can you
4: imagine? And what does baseball do? I, you can't really go to Apple and say, "We know you're paying us all this money, but we need more viewers. We can't have a streaming service for this."
5: You can't do that. You, you you cannot. And and do you know who's pitching? Who they have pitching that day? I don't know. Andrew of... Andrew Haney. Okay. He he's he's, he's a lefty. Yeah. yeah. He's a, he, yeah, He's Albert. Albert should he, be in the starting he, lineup. He's a guy. Former Albert teammate. He, he should be in the starting yeah, lineup. Albert right? knows him as well as anybody. It's gonna be a gonna be a tough oh, one for man. for. Our, let's hope and pray let, that let, he
4: gets let, to seven hundred.
5: Yeah. Prior to then. that,
4: absolutely. <laughs> All right. Your text six five seven eight zero oh, Matthew Rocchio, What do you got?
7: Take it or leave it. Adam Wainwright will be in the Hall of Fame because the standards of excellence for starting pitcher going forward won't approach the standards of the past. Starting pitcher just hasn't. Just starting pitching has just changed too much.
4: I'm going to leave that, and I do believe that if it wasn't for the injuries, that Albert would be a Hall of Famer. I just think at this time, if you look at the his career, I don't think that he's one of the guys. Even though a lot of his numbers do match up, I think he's borderline. Ueno, and, and I think yeah. the way the voters work now, they're more inclined to vote uh, to not vote for a guy to come in if he's borderline than vote him in.
5: Yeah, Wayno is is as you said, he's he's had he not had those um those injury see injured those seasons where he was injured, um, you get more starts, you get more wins, more opportunities for, for potential Cy Young uh awards and I'm gonna lean with you on this already. I'll, I'll leave it because it, it it's gonna to be too close, and I don't know that he has just what enough of what they're looking for. Obviously, he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer, yeah. and he's done a great job here, and 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 we want him to be in the Hall of Fame. But you know, just looking at the numbers, it's possible that he he wouldn't make it in.
4: And by the way, I don't think Madison Bumgarner. Bumgarner Maybe the best postseason pitcher of all time. I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer either, although he's a few years younger. He's only 33 years old. I think the only real, absolute, dead-solid locks among starting pitchers from this era are Verlander, Kershaw, and Scherzer. And Mm -hmm. DeGrom is 34, has a chance. Zach Greinke should make it, Mm -hmm. but because of his lack of postseason pedigree... I think that he's borderline. I would think that he'll probably make it, but I really think the only absolute locks are Verlander, Kershaw, and Scherzer among starting
7: pitchers. Take it or leave it. Yachty won't get in the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. Non-STL writers won't want to vote two STL players on the same one. I'm going to leave that. Yeah, there were
5: some talks a couple of years ago where they were saying Yachty was not even, may not even make it to the Hall of Fame, which I thought was yeah, was, was madness from people. From and maybe me being a homer, you, you look at it in a different light. But I, I think just what he's done throughout his entire career, there is no way uh, he is not a Hall of Famer. And I, I think he's, it depends on, it obviously depends on who else is on the ballot that year or who's up mm-hmm. for it. Um, and we don't know that right now. But I think as, as it plays out right now, I definitely think he would be. Yeah, I wonder who is going to, who else among Hall of Famers, maybe Zach Granke
4: retires after this year. I think Kershaw sticks around. I know Scherzer sticks around. Mm-hmm. verlanders I think that's already been announced, is going to keep pitching. Cabrera's going to keep playing after this year. So I don't think that that will be a big right. issue. And if I'm not mistaken, and I'll, I'll double-check here, I think Glavin and Maddox went in at the same time, okay. being from the same team. So I, I'm, I'm not really concerned about that.
7: That's fair. Um, take it or leave it. Hall of Fame voters think the numbers get... Better the longer you've been retired. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. I, you know, no, I'm that's true. Sure. They, they do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All think Your numbers get better the longer you've been retired. That was correct. You, you just take, just a take a closer a look. That's
4: what's happening with Scott Rowland. Yeah. That happened absolutely with Tim Raines. Yeah. They they look at it more closely and you get more information because the numbers change. You you have access to different kinds
5: of numbers and yeah that that definitely happens. And you get to compare it to to what's going on now and realize oh wow, that, that actually was mm-hmm. really good. I, I guess we, we missed that or we didn't pay close enough attention to that and, and now we're going to look at it again and... and the longer you look at something, obviously, it's going to get better for him. So I think it. I, I agree with that text. I I take that.
7: A great example of that would be uh, Ted Simmons, who said in his great uh, his speech, uh, the nerd. Then uh, I got to thank the nerds yeah. because it was the defensive metrics that people started going back in time and analyzing those numbers and saying Ted Simmons was an incredible defensive catcher. Right. And you look at his offensive numbers. You got to put this guy in. He he said it in his speech. I got to thank the nerds for getting me here. <laughs> take it or leave it. Randy's Dolphins are going to get slaughtered this weekend.
2: Oh.
5: Who hey, do we got? Who, who do you who do you who do you have? He had Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay, I don't love Baltimore. it. Baltimore. I don't I don't I don't I don't, I don't <laughs> I love this I love it. don't love this matchup. <laughs> uh, I don't love it. Uh,
4: it. you know what? It's so early in the season. And, and, and the Ravens cornerbacks haven't gotten hurt yet. Well,
5: there, there's that. <laughs> I, I think I think they're gonna have a have an issue this weekend yeah, i think in, in Baltimore. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a tough task. Yeah, a problem. Um Lamar Jackson is is gonna be a man with a plan trying to uh trying to accomplish some things and get some money in his yeah. pocket that he is definitely owed. Um so yeah, I think I think the Dolphins may may take an L this weekend. Yeah, That's I can. my opinion. <laughs>
7: Yeah. That's gonna, yeah. That one's not gonna go well. And for hey,
5: them. neither. We're also a Steelers show now.
7: Yes, and we
4: don't want the Ravens to win.
7: We do not.
5: We do not. We want the Steelers to win the division, uh, and and we have a a task against uh, New England, which I think should be a win as well.
7: Carrie, I don't wear this hoodie for no reason.
5: I'm oh I'm my sorry, God, buddy. that I'm is sorry, buddy. The purple. I'm sorry, the, buddy. the stench of purple I'm is in buddy. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm I sorry. I love
7: me some Ravens. Take it or leave it. We all no, can't be. We all can't be good guys. Rock, that's
5: <laughs> okay.
8: <laughs>
7: Take it or leave it there is no room for Carlson in the starting lineup once the playoffs start
4: I'm going to leave that they still like Dylan Carlson they want him to get healthy they want to get him into games and he's a talented player and there will be at some point in the playoffs a spot for Dylan Carlson whether it's as the regular center fielder I don't know but there will be a spot for him
5: who who, who right now who is your, your, your starting outfield who if Carlson is healthy and, and ready to roll
4: I, I'm still playing him in center field, and I'm going to go okay. with O'Neill
5: and left, and I think I'm still going to go with Newt and right. Uh, that's what I, I think. Newt has has earned the right to to yeah. be out there every day, and uh, Dylan Carlson, if he's ready to roll, we can we can do that.
4: Yeah, and if you have Donnie Baseball available as a utility guy in the playoffs, you can play him at second. You, you have Gorman, you you can play either at second or as a DH. There's a lot of options for Ali Marmol out yeah. there. So yeah, I, I think that that's going to benefit them. I, I don't think that they'll necessarily be able to put a player on the field in the playoffs that you'll say, man, that, that guy, he can't play. I think every single guy on the Cardinals' 26-man postseason roster will bring something to the table that you'll be confident about him doing good.
7: Oh, there's not going to be like a pitcher they just never use?
4: Uh, well, there might be, but I think he still feels confident <laughs> when he gets into the game.
7: Okay, uh, take it or leave it. Jordan Kyrie is the f- in the future will beat out Robert Thomas for the C, and will be captain of the St. Louis Blues one day.
5: Leave it. Yeah, leave I'm, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. it I just, think this is just, preordained. Yeah, I, I think just just based on. What we were talking about yesterday, with with you said playing the entire the entire rink 200 feet, just making sure you're getting back, and those what that's what that's what captains do. They don't mm. they they are the heartbeat of a team. They are. And we were just talking about this off air, unselfish. They are players that do everything the right way for the team. It's not about me. It's about we and making sure that I am in the right place at the right time. Help, Even if it's something that I don't do well or don't like to do, I'm still going to do it to help my teammates out. And, you know, that, that Robert Thomas is is... Thanks. CD. Part of the complaint about Robert Thomas is that he's too
4: unselfish, there you go. right? Yeah. That he doesn't shoot enough. Yeah, and that part of his game. After he came back from the injury at the tur- at the New Year last year, he was a different guy. He was he played a full two hundred foot game, and that's what gave the Blues the confidence to give him this contract. And he started shooting more. He's he's going to be a guy that twenty five goals, seventy five assists. He'll be a hundred point guy. Robert Thomas is going to be great.
7: Absolutely, I th- I think you, you got to just. You give that guy the C; he's going to be a defensive monster and everything like that. Take it or leave it, regardless of what they do with the young. And even though we have Win coming up, the Cardinals should be in the Trey turner sweepstakes.
5: Leave it, leave it. If you have Mason Wynn, who by all accounts is—I've heard nothing but spectacular things about him. We don't need. We we got we got that covered. I think we're good to go.
4: Yeah, and they're the Cardinals are all about bringing up kids, right? Yeah. They're all about giving kids opportunities and. Trey Turner is going to make big money. Trey Turner is going to be uh, he'll be a 20 million dollar a year guy. You're probably talking seven years 140 with Trey Turner and I just don't think the Cardinals are going to swim in those waters. and he's one of my favorite players. I think he's the quintessential Cardinal, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they spend the money to go get him. As a matter of fact, I was became for yesterday. we're talking about who the Cardinals can go after during this off season. I think the Cardinals will be a lot like they were during last offseason. I think they'll they'll go out and get a veteran catcher, but I don't think it's going to be Wilson Contreras. I think they'll find a veteran catcher, and I think they'll fill in some bullpen pieces try to find another lefty reliever. But I would guess that with O'Neal and Carlson and Lars Newt Barr and Jordan Walker's going to be here next year yeah. at some point, and with the infield, and Donnie Baseball can play right field, and with the infielders that you have. I kind of think that what the Cardinals bring back in 2023 will look a lot like what we're seeing right
5: now. Um, I I agree. And we've talked about Jordan Walker as well. Him being here, uh, maybe opening day next year, potentially, um, and, 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 Having having Mason win coming up maybe at some point maybe later in the season or, or the following season mm-hmm. you don't have to go out and spend a lot of money when you have so much and we talked about it earlier so m- you 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 scouted so well you don't have to go spend a lot of money you have those guys waiting in wing for 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 an opportunity and uh, when the time arises you have to bring them on up and let them play and they really hope that Jack Flaherty pitches well enough so that they have to pay him there you go <laughs> that's a good problem that's right? what they're rooting for
4: uh that is carrie that is matthew i'm randy coming up on 101 espn how cool was it for you to see Wayno and yadi make that history last night what what overcame you did you get chills we want some mic drops on the mic drop feature on the 101 espn app or you can send us a text 65780 what'd you think of 325 that's next on 101 espn you're
3: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers a fresh perspective on the day's top stories it's the opening drives fresh take brought to you by schnooks rewards it pays to shop at schnooks download the schnooks rewards app today
4: Gary and Randy on 101 ESPN. It's 8.07, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So what would you think last night from the 314 carry? Couldn't ask for a better birthday present watching Yachty and Wayno. Not only do they set the record, but come away with a W. Happy birthday. Had
5: to win that game. Yeah, believe it. Yes. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. present. Yeah, it definitely is. To be able to watch that. Um, like I said, we've talked about it all week. Just... I know that they are are happy that it's it's finally over. Everybody made it mm-hmm. through healthy. They got there. They were able to break the record, uh, and and they should have a couple of more chances to add to the record. But just just the 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 uh, how amazing it is for them to be able to do that, um, for it to be at home for for St. Louis to be able to witness that. You know whether it be at Bush Stadium on TV. Um, you know just it, there aren't enough words to describe that moment and what it means for the history of baseball and what it means for the history of Cardinals and, and for those two.
4: So we, we want to get your feels with the mic drop feature on the one-on-one ESPN app. Here's another text from the four one seven for me, for me, just to think of the history of the game, how long it's been around and to think that we witness history and it's probably not going to get touched again. It's just special the way they handled everything, the way they handled the game and their business. They're the epitome of the Cardinal way.
5: Yeah. I, I think that part is the, the most interesting thing. I, it, it Wayno said it himself. It's not going to be broken because mm-hmm. for for two players, let alone what I, I, this is the part that, that gets me as a professional athlete. I, I played. I started in two thousand four. All right, that was my rookie mm-hmm. year. I've been done playing for ten years. Those guys have <laughs> been doing this for that long plus more, and and there are not there is not an opportunity for one person, let alone two people, to stay in the same organization to stay healthy. To, to play at that high a level where you continue to get those starts and those opportunities, those three factors are, are, are the main reason why you will not see this happen ever again. So with you saying
4: that, because I was going to ask you that very question, I want you to react to this text from the six three six. I respect and admire both of them, but a record you achieve by walking onto the field
5: is not a huge record for me. <laughs> you walk onto that field every day and let me know that because, as a, especially at a, as a catcher, to crouch crouch down in that position for eight nine innings every day, or or you know pretty every day, <laughs> you get a day off here and there. But for a catcher to do that, to he. he Yadi got a foul ball off of his shoulder yesterday and I'm just like man <laughs> do you understand it 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 made me think of all of the foul balls the tip foul balls how many times he's been hit and whether it be in the face mask or or off a, a, a part of body that is unprotected a hand a thigh a, a toe a foot there are the, the the gear only protects so much. He got yeah. hit in us in another place a few years back yeah. that, that really yeah. sent them put him down for a ball one <laughs> and two. <laughs> like hey, so to 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 walk onto the field as I said, the longevity to to not have to have all of those injuries and be able to walk on that is the the achievement to be able to walk out there and participate. It's not like they're just walking out there and walking back in. They're walking out there and playing a game. So, yeah, sir or ma'am, yes, it, it it is an incredible feat to be able to play that many games that many times. Um... And do what they've been doing from the six thirty six.
4: What's the current pitcher and catcher combo who's closest to the record? It's Kyle Hendricks and Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. They have hundred and five, three hundred twenty five for Yadier and Weino, hundred and five for Contreras and Hendricks. Hendricks on the trade block probably after this season, and Contreras
5: is a free agent. And then there was there was there was a stat that they put up last night of the top five. Yadi is three of them. It's Waino and Yachty. Mm-hmm. It was Jack Flaherty and Yadi, and then I think it was Miles Michaelis and Yachty, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe that was <laughs> they were one, three, and five for 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 the Cardinals uh, in that order. And so, <laughs> again, Yachty or Molina in, in active pitching, that that in active uh, batteries, that is, it's just it's just amazing to, to, that he's able to do that. And bottom line
4: for me, it is history because it's literally something that in my lifetime will never have certainly i'm 60 the, these guys went 18 years the average age of a male in america 76 there's no way there's no <laughs> chance of me ever seeing this again and as we mentioned with wayno and thanks to uh you adam for the math it wasn't 250 years of baseball they, they weren't they, they weren't talking baseball when they were putting the constitution together right. But 150 years of baseball and it's something that's never been done even prior to an era of free agency, right. when and Bill Freehan and Mickey Lolich were in an era where if you signed with a baseball team, that baseball team owned your rights until you retired, if they wanted to, in perpetuity. Yeah, right, <laughs> forever. And so, for to never have happened then and
5: happen now in an era of free agency yes. and player movement, yes, is really remarkable. And you gotta, you have to take your hats off to the Cardinals as well because they, that organization allowed for them to have that opportunity, but but understood their worth, not just mm-hmm. for the battery, not, not for a record, but understood their worth in winning games for this for this ball club and this organization. So, you know, it, it, it's it's all of those things tied in together. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN. Thank you very much for your texts during Fresh
4: Take. Coming up, Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us, and the Blues have Jordan Cairo Robert Thomas, Pavel Buchnevich under contract for long-term contracts. How good are those three going to be? That's next with Jeremy on 101 ESPN. You're back
2: to the opening
3: drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN.
9: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey?
4: Here we go. Jeremy Rutherford participating in the opening drive for the first time. Good morning, sir. How are
10: you doing? Good morning. It's great to be on your guys' show for that first time.
4: Well, we're thrilled to have you and we're looking forward yeah. to the season. Training camp getting underway. Before we know it, we'll have a game. We're nine days away, I believe, from our first preseason game, Jr. And as everybody knows, Jordan Kyrou signed the eight year contract with the Blues. And you have a piece up at The Athletic about the, the contract negotiations.
10: Yeah, it was really interesting to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit with Doug Armstrong and also the agents for the two, Craig Oster for uh, Robert Thomas, and then you have uh, Dave Gagne. Randy, remember, the former Mm -hmm. NHL player Dave Gagne is the agent for Jordan Cairo, and they just kind of took me through it. And you go back to uh, the Robert Thomas negotiations. He said Doug Armstrong gave them a heads up, hey, we're going to be wanting to talk with you about this this summer. Ah, uh, Craig Oster, the agent, said that gave him and Robert Thomas some time to sit down and kind of map out what they were hoping to get in the negotiations. They get that deal done, of course, and then uh, kind of August is a quiet month. But uh, Kairu and the Blues got the talks going again recently. Kairu's agents came to town last week, sat down with Craig Arm, with Great, with uh, Doug Armstrong and Ryan Miller, and uh, gave a presentation to the Blues. Hey, this is what we're hoping for. You know, Doug Armstrong calling that very. Uh, professional, the way they were able to come in and express what they wanted to see. And they hammered it out. They got it done. And and so kind of cool look behind the scenes at how these negotiations take place. You always see um, that the deal's done and it's a monster deal and it makes the headlines. But here's a a look at uh, how these two sides came together on both deals.
5: Hey JR, obviously great news for those two players, and and we know that in sports, anytime people start getting paid, there are some people that are left out. What is the, what do these uh, signings mean for Ryan O'Reilly going into next season?
10: Yeah, how about that? They actually had to have a uh, like a board meeting last week, and they brought in Tom Stillman, which they often do on on a lot of these contracts, if not all of them. And uh, I talked to Tom Stillman yesterday and he said, Oh, a mere $130 million for these two guys. Uh, so that's a lot of money. They're going to shell out for the next nine years, you know, for uh, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. What does it mean for everybody else? Doug Armstrong was asked that question yesterday and, you know, he covered all his bases. He said, look, we've got guys like uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko. He even mentioned Ivan Barbashev who are going to be up for contracts, but, you know, there's just not going to be enough money to go around. You're talking about $16 million, and they only have about 13 players under contract for next year. So uh, they're going to have to bring a lot of bodies in to fill that roster. Uh, there's going to be some turnover next year, and there's not going to be a lot of money to do it with. What does it mean for Ryan O'Reilly? I believe that they're, they'll find a way to work out a deal with Ryan O'Reilly, still a big part of this team, obviously the captain. I can't see a way where they can keep Vladimir Tarasenko with his production. You know, He's still going to be in that neighborhood of, you know, $7 million, I believe, even at his age. And I think with uh, Ivan Barbashev, he's probably going to price himself out. So I expect a lot of turnover, and, and the Blues have made their bed with these two big young stars that they're going to pay. So not much money for everyone else.
4: JR, over the last decade and a half, the Blues have had multiple – Cores, multiple nucleuses. We can go back to the Oshi Berglund, Bacchus group, and then you moved into the, the Tarasenko with Bacchus and added Petro to that group. And pe- Everybody knows it, but the new group is going to be Thomas, Butchnevich, and Cairo, right? Those were their, your number two, three, and four scorers last year.
10: Yeah, definitely up front. And Randy, you've heard me say this before that Doug Armstrong's done a great job over the years of building that sub you know, while the main core is in charge. And he's done it again with this group. You saw that team uh, last year and and even this year, you know, it's going to be Tarasenko. It's going to be O'Reilly. But in the meantime, you know, I tweeted it yesterday. They trade Brian Elliott to the Calgary Calgary Flames. They get a draft pick in 2016. They use that second-round pick on Jordan Cairo. They've been grooming him for the past couple years. He has a great season last year, becomes part of that core Same with Robert Thomas. You draft him. So those guys are developing while the older veteran guys are leading the team. And now what you're seeing is another transition. You know, it could be Tarasenko who's gone next year. Eventually, Orion O'Reilly will be gone. But you're right. Nine nine more years of Kyrou, Thomas, and Bucinevich. Three years left. And you know what I like about that core, Randy? When you mention those names, is three totally different type of players. Thomas, the passer, he can set up everybody. Kyrou with the speed, he's got the shot. Doug Armstrong refers to it as that one-shot offense. And then Bucinevich, he's got that physicality. He's got that edge. So even though he doesn't have that term that a Kyrou and a, a Thomas have, have definitely he's a part of that core and a different type of a style that he brings to the game.
4: Kyrou, 27 goals, 75 points and 74 games last year. If he plays 76 games a year for the next eight years, and he's a, he averaged seven, more than a point a game, 78, 79 points for 76 games a year, Would that be worth the money?
10: I definitely think so, but you talked to Doug Armstrong yesterday, and he was asked, uh, you know, have we seen the ceiling? And certainly he's going to say no, but he said, I hope not. Like, I think that these guys can put up more points. I think that, you know, I'll touch on Thomas first. Yesterday he hits the 20-goal plateau. Look, he'll probably hit 20 again throughout his career at at some point. I don't know that he's a 25-goal scorer, but he is a legit 60-70 assist guy, I think, once he gets going. Same with Jordan Cairo. You know, I think last year he hits 27. I think he can be a 40-goal 40, a 40 score. You know, I think he, you know, a little bit underrated on the passing as well. And if he's going to play with Thomas, there's going to be even more points. Down the road. So, you know, I really do think these guys can be 90, possibly 100 point guys. And I think that's what Doug Armstrong and his group saw. And that's why they got these big paychecks.
4: You know, I never thought that Adam Oates would be more than a a 20, 25 goal guy. He leaves here and he has 45 and 32 and uh, 25 goal seasons. It, It just comes down to shooting the puck, doesn't it?
10: Yeah, it does. And, you know, if you said that to Robert Thomas, if he were here on the line with us, he'd probably yawn because he's heard that so many times. Um, but but I think we did see a Robert Thomas who shot it a little more uh, last year. I think he's just got such a great characteristic with that elite level passing that he, he leans on that. And, and rightly so, you know, he set up a lot of guys. There was what, nine guys with 20 goals, uh, including himself last year. He's responsible for setting up a lot of those guys, but yeah, you're, you're right. You know, He's still young in his career, maybe two or three years from now where we are talking about 25, 30 goals from Robert Thomas. But if he can give you those 60, 70 assists, we're probably not looking at you know the number of shots he's taken.
5: Hey, JR I was reading a tweet from uh, Jim Thomas yesterday where he had asked Doug Armstrong about Bennington's offseason knee surgery or whether or not he had it. Uh, Doug said he was not sure. Armstrong said he was not sure, but he checked in with Bennington and said there was no surgery. What can you What can you tell us about uh, Bennington's recovery, and, and what can we expect? Is he going to be healthy to be able to play a full season and ready to roll?
10: Yeah, yeah, he looks good, and uh, we'll have a chance to talk to him in the next couple of days and see how his off offseason uh, went. But I'll tell you a quick story. As I was interviewing, not to name drop here, but uh, Patrick Waugh a couple of days ago for a story I'm working on. Uh, Patrick Waugh is the coach of one of the Blues prospects, Zach Bolduke, up in Quebec. And so I, I had Patrick uh, for an interview, and he said he thinks the Blues beat Colorado if Jordan Bennington stays healthy. Here's one of the best goalies, if not the best goalie in the history of the league, and he believes that uh, – Bennington meant that much to the Blues last year. You know, there's still some, some skeptics, and I, and I totally understand, uh, but he was playing really well in the playoffs. And so, you know, I asked the question the other day, and my 10 questions facing the Blues is, you know, just what's going on uh, with uh, Jordan Bennington. Will he be the guy that we saw in the playoffs? Will he be the guy that we saw in the regular season last year? I got to believe that he's grown from what happened to him last year. It probably humbled him a lot, and he was able to go reset in the offseason. He's going to come back. You know, I don't want to say it's a good thing that he doesn't have the competition of a Huso because it's not a good thing. You know, the Blues' uh, goaltending, you know, probably drops off a little bit. You lose a Huso, but this is going to give Jordan Bennington the opportunity to come into camp and and just reestablish himself, Kerry, as that guy. And you know, I I believe he can. I really do. You know, you step out on a limb here, but I believe he can do it. You better.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he has to, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, Jr. One other thing is the Blues. Uh, get going here. It seems like this is going to be one of those years where there's going to be really fun competition to watch. It'll be interesting to watch and see where Neighbors winds up on the hierarchy of of the Blues lines. I think he looks like a top nine forward. But ordinarily, the Blues over the last half dozen or more years have gone into a season with us having a pretty good idea of who the fourth liners are going to be. I don't think I have any idea who the fourth liners are going to be that make this team.
10: Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, I think. You know, I've written this, that uh, it looks like Doug Armstrong just was like Oprah and said, here's $750,000. You come in and try out for our fourth line. Here's $750,000. And he's done that with uh, three or four guys. And so, you know, Nathan Walker comes in. What what do we got? Uh, Nadeb, right, Randy? Yep. <laughs> Nadeb. And, and then you have uh, Noel Achari comes in. And, and uh, then I think you have a guy, you know, Clem Costin, is he a potential guy for that fourth line? uh, we'll see. So, you know, I think there's a number of guys who could come in and grab it, but, you know, kind of going back to CD's question earlier about the money, that's what the blue situation is. Now, when you look at that payroll and you see the Tarasinkos and the O'Reilly's and, you know, soon to be the Kairos and the Thomases and the Shens and all these guys, six, six, five plus you're sometimes third line. And definitely your fourth line is going to be a lot of minimum paid guys. And so they're just going to have to come in and fight for it. The other note I'll give you on that is, uh, Standing outside the rink yesterday watching practice, guys, Alexei Torpchenko, who we all liked last year, uh, he had off-season shoulder surgery. He was watching the skate. He has been on the ice, and Doug Armstrong said he was surprised to see him skating. They were uh, penciling like a December return for him. Could it be sooner? We don't know. We'll see. But Alexei Torpchenko could be a big part of that fourth line once they get him back healthy, too.
4: JR, we recommend everybody head to The Athletic and check out your piece on the negotiations for the Blues with Thomas and Cairo. Great work as always. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. See you later. That is Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. He's our Blues Insider here on 101 ESPN. Next up, the fight coming your way on the opening
2: drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the
2: fight in the red corner.
5: Welcome into the fight. It is Kerry Davis joined by Matthew Rocchio and we have Mr. Randy Character out roaming the hallways, looking for some uh, energy boost to get ready for this fight. Today we have Charlie joining us. Charlie, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you Guys, doing wonderful. Are you uh, Are you prepared for today? Have you Have you had your energy drink? Are you You ready to go?
10: I got it right here,
5: right next. Ah, it sounds good. Let's get it. Let's get to it. All right, Charlie. On this day in 1995, Ozzie Smith set an all-time double play record for shortstop in MLB history. Later, be, later to be broken by Omar Vizquel. What position holds the all-time double plays turned record in MLB history? Yep. Is it One shortstop? Position? Yep. Is it oh, shortstop? Yeah, shortstop. Oh, you you, you, you no, want no, you read, want all, read, read, you want all. Read, let me read it yeah, again. Read it again, and then read the <laughs> options. <offense. laughs> On this day in 1995, Ozzy Smith set an all-time doubles double play record for a shortstop in MLB history. Later to be broken by Omar Vizquel. What position holds the all-time doubles play double plays turned in MLB history? Is it shortstop, second base, or first base?
0: Um. Okay. Here, so. Does turn mean you made the turn at second base?
7: No, it just means you're part, you're of, the part play. of the double
0: play. You, you okay, started it, base. you finished it. First okay. base. There you go. I'll go first
7: base. I'm trying to confuse people here. Just trying to get <laughs> give you a nice easy <laughs> one here in question one. Just, just, think, just think it over. It's not that complicated. Which MLB franchise was the first to ever draw 3 million fans in their home stadium? Was it the New York Yankees, the LA Dodgers, or the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh,
4: the Los Angeles Dodgers.
7: All
5: right, Charlie. On this day in 1969, Steve Carlton fanned a record at the time, 19 batters. Which NL team did he do it against? Was it the San Francisco Giants, the Atlanta Braves, or the New York Mets?
10: Wow. Um, I think I'm going to go with the San Francisco Giants.
7: All right, and there are two college football rivalries nicknamed the Holy War. BYU and Utah is one. Which two teams make up the other? Is that Notre Dame and BYU, Notre Dame and Miami, or Notre Dame and Boston College?
8: Hmm.
11: Notre Dame and Miami is the Catholics convicts. Uh, I'm going to go to Notre Dame Boston College.
7: All right, Charlie. Don't check the score there. I'm not, I'm not gonna say exactly what you got, but a, a solid, solid job here today, Charlie. A solid outing, Charlie. I'll say that. i Solid I outing here for Charlie. Yeah. Randy is entering. Here's the thing, though, Charlie. Randy didn't have his machine hooked up this morning, but Randy made sure to bring his machine with him here for the fight. He's hooking it up right now. I'm gonna make sure I have it potted up. I don't know what it (laughs) says that he didn't have it beforehand, but the fact that he made sure to go get it might not bode too well for you.
5: And and Charlie, he does not have a diet Dr Pepper in his range today. I don't see any drinks. I don't see any. Protein bars, no bananas. There's nothing here. You might it, so, today might be the day.
4: the The great Joe Vitale is in the building. Okay, we're talking some blues hockey yep. broadcast yep. with Curbs and Joey in the building. So I, was, I spent my time uh, down saying hi to Joey and asking him about his summer. So we're gonna have great. We always have great segments with Joey V. Indeed,
7: he did, he, he got a little bit of Joey V. uh When you weren't here. Uh, last week, yeah, I did. We had him yeah. jump on and talk bit. about some of the some of the bag skates he's been running out sent seventeen for the boys. Yeah. Do you have this turned up? Uh, yes, it'll be up. Just win, baby. Oh, Randy! Say, oh, uh, early,
4: early, Randy. Say hello to Charlie. Charlie, how you doing? Good, Randy. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Awesome.
5: All right, he, Randy.
7: Called, he just pointed. He just pointed to the center he, he of Wrigley Field. He did. Just right, right there.
5: <laughs> are you ready? Ready. All right. On this day, pay attention because this um, is. Yeah. All right. No, no. Listen to me because. Okay. <laughs> i <I'm, I'm, I'm, laughs> right, okay. On this day. I'm, I'm okay. Good. In 1995, Ozzy Smith set the all-time double plays record for a shortstop in Major League history, mm-hmm. later to be broken by Omar viscale mm-hmm. What position holds the all-time double plays turned record in MLB history? It would seem
4: like because you have six four three five four three. 3 No. Technically, a first baseman doesn't turn a double play. The Keystone combo turns the double play, it's so it seems part of, to it's me. part
7: of the double play. Which position hold? Which position holds record for being part of a double play? Well, the, the three,
4: most. because five four three six four three four six three. So three. That I right. mean, it, it always almost always ends with three. So I will say the first baseman.
7: Just a little, right. just a little logic one on the first one. Yeah. Which MLB franchise was the first to ever draw three million fans for their home stadium?
4: I believe that would have been the doyers.
7: Got a agree. year guess for me just to throw everybody just to impress everybody.
5: <laughs> oh man, um I'm going to go 70s. I'll go 74. All right. On this day in 1969, Steve Carlton fanned at the time a record 19 batters. Which team did he do it against? Did it
7: for the Cardinals against the New York Mets. There are two college football rivalries nicknamed the Holy War. Hmm. BYU-Utah is one. Which two teams make up the other? I honestly have no idea. So I will do (laughs) the lifeline. Is it Notre Dame and BYU, Notre Dame and Miami, or Notre Dame and Boston College?
4: Okay, so I'm going to throw out Notre Dame and Miami because I know that's convicts versus criminals, right?
7: Convicts versus Catholics, Catholics.
4: Wait, Catholics. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right convicts versus, versus convicts versus criminals Convicts versus Catholics <laughs> Just a daily so the thing Convicts aren't a, like a holy thing <laughs> yeah. So, B.C. or B.Y.U. versus Notre Dame, right? B.Y.U. is very religious B.C. is very religious I'm, I'm going to say that because B.Y.U. is in one, they aren't in another so I'm going to use the process of elimination here and go with Notre Dame and the Boston College Eagles. Wh- who come by the way from a very Catholic holy place in
7: Boston, Mass. Like how you said process Process. Process. You were going through a process. You were going through day. a process. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, Rand, did, was Randy's process better than Charlie's on this day? That's the big question we got to ask ourselves. It was a tough one. Charlie showed up. Did Randy maybe get a little too cocky with pointing out to center field? It's been about a hundred years since that really worked for somebody. Did it work again? <laughs> did Randy Carricker continue his run through this week? Go four zero through Thursday. We're about to find out.
2: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker.
7: Just win, baby. I am the champion. I'm unstoppable
2: today. I am number
10: one. Now, who can argue with that?
7: Unloading the barrel. (laughs) And you did take a lifeline, but I still owe you this.
10: Go crazy, folks.
7: because Randy took down Charlie four to three, Charlie. That was a very impressive fight, and was unfortunately one that got you four to three. Very impressive work, Charlie. But unfortunately, you went against Mega Mine, and he's been locked in all week. You did a wonderful job.
8: Yeah,
11: no, no problem. And uh, you know, it came down to one question. With uh, I, I was close to going to Mets, but I went Giants instead. So. Hey, three, three.
7: Uh, congratulations, Randy. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Appreciate it. 4-3 win is good for bragging rights. Again when it, or 4-3 loss even against Randy is good for bragging rights. Let's go through some of the answers here. Kerry Davis.
5: All right. The first question, which was a
7: little tricky. Had a little the, tricky uh, the the position really which
5: holds the all-time double plays turn record is obviously the three in the— 4 6, three. six okay. four. Yeah. So the three First base uh, The franchise The first franchise To ever draw Three million fans For their home schedule Was the L.A. Dodgers You said 1974 mm-hmm. It was 1978 You were, It was oh, the 70s Good close Good, close. Yeah. good, good guess uh, Steve Carlton Fan the record 19 batters For the Cardinals Versus the New York Mets And the last one The college football rivalry Nickname Holy War BYU is one of them Notre Dame And BC is the other I, I, I like the process, though. The Thank process, you. Catholics versus convicts, you, you scrapped that one. Yeah. BYU already has one, so why would they have another two, one? Yeah. There you go. There.
7: I'm gonna, two other questions, just because I, I like to see Mega uh gears turn. Do you have a guess, by chance, by the first baseman who owns technically the most, the record for the most double plays being involved in, in baseball history? Uh,
4: let me think about this a little bit. Um, okay. Obviously somebody that played, played a, a long, long time. time. Uh, And I don't think it would be Lou Gehrig. I don't think he played enough. Somebody that played in an era probably where we had 162 games. How about Steve Garvey?
7: Steve Garvey is actually not in the top 10. It is Mickey Vernon. He was part of 2044. He's just ahead of Eddie Murray and Todd Helton, who are both over 2,000. Eddie Murray's a
4: great call. Yeah, I would not have. Todd Helton's one of those guys that I just don't remember.
7: Pools, by the way, is eighth all-time in double plays as a first baseman, 1,701 uh, in first year the Cardinals ever got three million fans into their stadium. 1987. Very good. Right, exactly. A miracle of modern sports, said Peter Ubro <laughs> when he came to town. There it is, three million eighty-seven. dollars Good job, Randy. Randy Carrick, some extra <laughs> mega in there in the end. Thank you again to Charlie. A 4-3 win for Randy on the day.
4: Hey, an old friend of ours is back in town. Ricky Prohl, you know what catch he made, is back as the receiver's coach for XFL St. Louis. And Ricky is with us next on 101 ESPN. You're
3: back to the Opening Drive Podcast
2: on 101 ESPN.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto centers
4: with the Steelers Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis I'm Randy character it's great to have you with us on the opening drive and it's always great to go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line with when another Super Bowl champ is standing by and that is the receivers coach of our team in the XFL Ricky Prahl he of course won Super Bowl 34 with your St. Louis Rams Ricky good morning how you doing I'm doing great, Randy. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It was great to see you at the Hall of Fame, and it's great to have you back in St. Louis. And I know you have a, a soft spot in your heart for St. Louis. How excited are you about coming back and coaching here?
11: I'm so excited. Um, you know, um, I mean, you know how I feel about St. Louis. It's it's my home away from home. I just, uh, you know, my, my kids grew up there, you know, for five years, and we just, what a we just loved it. I mean, speaking from, on behalf of my teammates, I mean, those are some of the, the best years of our playing career. We just felt like we had the best home fans. There was no better place than that dome with crowd noise, and we were at our best when we played there, and uh, that's going to be no different with the mm-hmm. XFL.
5: Now, Ricky, I don't know if you were able to catch any of the uh, the, the former Battlehawks. I don't know if that's going to be the same name. But the Battlehawks, when they were here, the the crowd was as electric as it would be for, for those Rams games. Uh, what can we expect from, from your team, your receivers, the position? Uh, what type of coach are you, in, and what, what type of players do you expect to, to be on that field for you?
8: Well,
11: I feel like I'm a player's coach. I mean, obviously, playing for 17 years. I You know, when I became a coach in 2011, with the Panthers, I just wanted to be a guy. I wanted to coach my players the way I wanted to be coached. And that's just, you know, fair, developed young guys. Um, you know, I think there's not enough of that out there right now. You know, taking the time for young players, guys that are on the practice squad with walkthroughs and meetings, just to, to show them the, the intricacies of the game, the details of the game with route running and blocking, understanding coverages and concepts. And all those things. And, and my guys are going to be prepared. They're going to be great route runners. They're going to be good ball catchers. They're going to do whatever it takes to win. If they got to go and dig out safeties, um, they're going to do it. That's going to be part of, you know, the requisite of being a, a receiver uh, for the St. Louis team. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited. I can't tell you. I love working with young people. I, you know, I'm out of coaching, or I was out of coaching for the last – Several years when I left Carolina, but I haven't been out of coaching. I've been training, doing combine training, working with young people, preparing them for the NFL with combine training out with uh, Rep. One Sports in California. I've got a sports complex and fitness center that I've been working with young people and from high school, college to pro, preparing them for their next level. And uh, I love doing it. It's, it's in my DNA. And so this op- when this opportunity came up in St. Louis, it was a layup. up.
4: Ricky Pearl with us on 101 ESPN and and Ricky, going back to what you're talking about in developing players as a layman, as somebody who didn't know your position I would watch you guys in training camp and I would pick out some young players and say that guy has a chance if he gets developed did that happen a lot for you in training camp where you'd say, okay, this guy has talent but the NFL doesn't have enough time or patience to get this guy to the top of his game
11: well, and I felt like Early in my career, it was there, um, you know, because there wasn't the time crunch there is now. These guys make a lot of money, and they're, they're expected to make an impact right now. And a lot of these guys, they've got so much money invested in them, they don't take the time for the practice squad guys or the young guys. They're there just to give the defense a look, you know. And, and, but a lot of these guys are so talented, and I knew as a player – there were guys in the locker room that got cut that never really got a chance. And I'm like, man, that kid can play that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we saw it every year. We sit in our locker, veterans, we'd sit in our lockers and go like, there goes, you know, John Doe, like he, he, that kid, if he got a chance, he can play. He's as good as any of us. And, and for me, when I became a coach in Carolina, we had guys, undrafted guys like Philly Brown from Ohio state um, Tamir mere bird from South Carolina guys that, that were, could run, that could play, and for me, it was my goal, and I told them that. I looked them in the eye and said, listen, it's my job to make you the best player you can be, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to succeed. I'm going to put you in a position to succeed. It's what you do with it, you know, from a, a standpoint of you have to make plays. Ultimately, this is the highest level. You've got to make plays when you get those opportunities, and those guys did. And, and, and I said, whether you make it here, you're going to make it somewhere else if you do the things that you're capable of doing. And, and that's, to me, that gives me more pride. There's so, there's guys like, you know, that, that I coach from, you know, or played with like Isaac Bruce, and they're they're ready-made. They come in, they're ready to roll. Torrey Holt, I mean, when he came in as a rookie, he was a polished route runner. He was committed. I mean, when nobody was watching, he was working his tail off. He was a high-character guy. But there's other guys that have never been taught that side of the game. And that's what... I want to bring to teach them what it takes to be a pro. I felt like I had that and helped with, but Steve Smith pound for pound in my mind, one of the best players to ever play the game intensity wise, but he needed to learn how to play the game. And when he did that, it was over. It was over. I mean, this guy take a two, two yard throw and turn it into a 75 yard touchdown. I mean, his tape speaks for itself, but it's guys like that. When we went to the Super Bowl with Ted Ginn, who people were ready to run out of the league, um, Philly Brown, a free agent, Devin Funches, a rookie. Um, that, that's, what made, that's what made me more proud is to coach those guys and watch them develop than it is to you know, also make those other guys a first-round pick, second-round pick pros, but to develop those young guys. That's what makes a coach a coach, in my opinion.
5: Ricky, when you look at the game now, and and versus when you played, do you do you uh, feel a little bit upset that that receivers are protected in the way that they are, and and not allowed to have those big hits across the middle as as, <laughs> as come on, <laughs> as it was when you were, I, when you were playing?
11: Absolutely, I, I just it, the game has changed, and and I get it, but I, I I'm an offensive guy, and yeah, I mean they can't they can I'm thinking phew, what our guys could have done, or the numbers we could have put up. But even defensive guys, I feel bad. How are they supposed to play the game? A receiver right. catches a ball and lowers his head to protect himself, and the DB's hitting him, going low, and then all of a sudden I lower my head. We go head-to-head, and it's a penalty on the deep. That's not right. Mm-hmm. That ain't right. And um, it has – you know, it, it's – I don't know. I'm, I'm probably the wrong guy to be talking to because <laughs> I'm old school, and I probably need to keep my mouth shut. Um <laughs> So I, I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah, there, there's some frustrations, absolutely.
4: Ricky, that's why I love you, man. We're, we're both old school. <laughs> hey, a couple more things. Number one, you've walked into the Dome several times, many times since. But what do you think when you look to that northwest corner of the end zone at the Dome?
11: You know what I think. <laughs> it really – I mean, it's NFC Championship. I mean, it's Cole's Corner. I mean, it, it, it's just memory it, – I mean – it, it doesn't even have to be that corner. it's just got to be walking down the street from the parking lot into that dome or when I come into town for I'm on the Isaac's event or if I'm in there you know it, it's just it's a special place and and it, and it's it's not just the the success we had on the field it's the players the coaches the the you know we we, we had lightning in a bottle now for for five for four years i should say um um, and it, it was just a special place, and the fans. We had a we had a love affair with the fans. It was just, uh, I mean, look at Isaac, all the stuff he does in St. Louis, and it's just, uh, it's awesome, and it's, it's just, uh, it's exciting for me to be able to come back. I told someone yesterday, I said, I hope, I don't know what the situation is to travel the night before the game. I'm hoping we come in on the night before game day. So I can go to G and Tony's, go to the Hill, you know, go to see some of the people uh, because we'll be based in Arlington, you know, for practice during the week and stuff. um, I think, which is smart. I think the first year getting this thing started, but uh, you know, hopefully down the road uh, we'll be in St. Louis. But for right now, I don't know how much time we'll actually get to spend in St. Louis other than on Game Day,
4: and the other thing I was going to ask you, you brought up Isaac, how cool is it to have a Hall of famer say the biggest catch of his career was caught by you
11: it, it's man he has always said that, and that's why that's why I say the relationships life is about relationships, and I mean if you See these texts, these group texts. I don't know. Some of these guys I'm like, go to work, do something. It's are all day back and forth between It's London, Fletcher, Isaac Torrey, uh, Big O, um, Oz, it's, it's, it's Kurt, it's, it's Marshall. I mean, it, it's just – you talk about a great group of guys that love and care about one another, and that's what was so special for me because that's what I learned about the game. You know, we're all selfish to an extent. That's what makes us successful. And I was a selfish player, I ain't going to lie to you. And I came to St. Louis, and I learned how to be selfless. I mean, we didn't care who scored touchdowns, who got the recognition, who got the big plays. All, it, was, it became all about winning. And um, that's what I learned. That was a life lesson for me.
4: Ricky, thrilled to have you back in St. Louis. Can't wait to see you. And it's always good to talk to you and hear your voice. Hope the family is well, and we'll talk soon. Great. Look forward to it, Randy. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, my man. Ricky Prohl, one of the all-time great and fun St. Louis Rams on 101 ESPN.
5: And Just the, the thought of, you know, all those guys, when you are – great teams, as I said earlier, are, are selfless. They are unselfish. Uh, and and the moments that mean the most, obviously you expect guys to make plays, but the moments that mean the most are the times you get to share off the field, communicating, having fun, cracking jokes on one another, and just just spending time with each other and each other's families. Those are those are the things that make it great. Tonight we have the Chiefs and Chargers here on
4: 101 ESPN. Hall of Famer Tony Baselli will be the analyst for that game with Ian Eagle. Tony joins us next on 101 ESPN.
3: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: With
4: the Steelers Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Tonight, we have the Chiefs and Chargers pregame at 6.30 right here on 101 ESPN. And Hall of Famer Tony Baselli is going to be on the call of that game. I was in Canton for the induction of Dick Vermeil into the Hall of Fame, and I walked down the street with Ross Tucker, who was invited by Tony Buscelli. and uh, Tony, everybody I talked to was so thrilled for you to make it to the Hall of Fame, and it's well-deserved. First of all, thanks for joining us, and second of all, congratulations. How's everything going since that day in Canton?
0: Oh, it's been great. Uh, thank you, first of all. And uh, yeah, Ross is a friend, and uh, I was glad he was able to make it. And It was it was great to be a part of the class with Coach Vermeil. Um, what a great what a great guy and uh, a great coach, obviously Hall of Fame coach. But uh, I think anyone who knows him would say he's probably a better person uh, than he was a coach. And that's saying something. So uh, it was it was a great week and it was a lot of fun.
5: Tony, you all were uh, part of some some fantastic teams. Uh, what was that like? Just just in Jacksonville, being the being the new kids on the block and, and starting that off. What was that? What was that 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 inaugural season like for you all? And, and how tough was that?
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting, you know, coming from USC with like tons of tradition and history and everything else and then going to Jacksonville with nothing, Mm -hmm. Um, no history. I mean, you were making, you were starting from ground zero. You were, you were the history. Um, And, you know, we had, we were such a young team with just a handful of veterans that year. It was like, we didn't know any better. Um, I didn't know any better. You didn't, you know, it wasn't like there was a bunch of guys, you know, who, who, you know, tell you what was going on and you had a, we had a college coach and Tom Coughlin coming in. So it was it was quite the experience. It was not a lot of fun that rookie year at times. Tom was uh, – he was Tom. He beat the hell out of us. and uh, But it was great. He made us tough and he brought us together and he's a hell of a coach. He's an all-fame coach too, I think. And, uh, you know, we, we won four games. But uh, it was probably one of the toughest group of guys I've ever been around as far as mentally tough. And I think it was it was the foundation that made us a really good team uh, in those early years in Jacksonville.
4: A couple of really good teams that you will see tonight. You're in Kansas City for the Chiefs and the Chargers, probably the game of the weekend. And it, it's remarkable to me, Tony, how many good quarterbacks are in the AFC. And if you're going to pick two of the top four, top five, I mean, when you're looking tonight at Patrick Mahomes and uh, Herbert, you've got a, a great matchup at least with those two, and we'll get more into the game. But those two quarterbacks are something.
0: Yeah, they are, and you know, I love what the NFL did, and they did it a few, a few years ago. You know, remember early in the Thursday, early in this Thursday night when uh, they started Thursday night games every week, it was, they weren't great games sometimes. You, you know, and now all of a sudden, you know, they put some premier games, and this being the top, and, and part of that is big reason that is is because who the quarterbacks are. I mean, two of the. You know, two of the highest producing quarterbacks in the history of this game. I mean, now they've been doing it that long, but boy, they are dynamic. And you talk about quarterback play in the AFC. You know, you know, you got the two guys who are old men, and Brady and Rodgers, who are still the best in the business, or right there. But every young great quarterback, whether it's Mahomes or or Herbert, and you got uh, Josh Allen, who might be the best of all of them, and Joe Burrow, and you just keep going down the list. I mean, it is amazing. It's gonna be a shootout tonight. I mean, two. Really good teams um, with two, tons of offensive talent and led by those two great quarterbacks. Tony, when you look
5: at tonight's game, uh, injuries are going to play a part in it. Uh, the star receiver for the Chargers and Keenan Allen being out, and, and we more times than likely don't talk about kickers and, and their importance, but Harrison Bucker being out for the Chiefs. How do those injuries play a part in tonight's game, and, and who's impacted more by it?
0: Yeah, I- I think I think the char, I think the Chargers are going to be more impacted with the loss of Keenan Allen. I mean, you look at Week One. Now they were very productive, but he went out in the middle of the second quarter. Call it. He ended up still being the leading receiver for the whole game and only played a quarter and a half. And he's he's that go-to guy now. Mike Williams had a quiet night or a quiet day against the Las Vegas Raiders and got the big contract this offseason. So you, you got to believe he's going to be much more involved and he's going to have to play a big role. Uh, for the Charger offense, because um, I think, I mean, it's going to be a shootout. You're going to have a lot of points um, for the Chiefs. You know, Buckner being out, they lost a couple defensive players as well. They lost the uh, Ricky corner. He's going to be out, and Mahomes, you know, beat up his wrist, but he should be fine. You know, the, the Chiefs will bring someone up off the practice squad. I can't think of the guy's name right now. Shame on me. Who'll come up and kick? And, and if it's an emergency, Justin Reed can always do it. Uh, but I, I know Keenan Allen, and he's one of the best receivers in this game. And he's a great slot receiver. He can play outside. You know, he's a great route runner, and I think they're going to miss him tonight. Uh,
4: Tony Baselli with us on 101 ESPN Hall of Famer will be on the call tonight for Chiefs and Chargers here on 101 ESPN. And Tony, last year Kansas City, after going to the Super Bowl, completely rebuilt their offensive line, and they brought the same group back this year. What do you think of that group in KC?
0: I like it. I, I think it's a really good uh, group. Now Trey Smith was got beat up in the game um, and didn't play back half of week one. He he was on the sidelines. Could play an emergency, so we'll see if he plays tonight or not. Um, and but you got Orlando Brown, the big uh, you know the big kid on the left side. You know is playing on that franchise tag, so he's playing for a big contract. I, I like the group. Um, they needed to rebuild it, um, and uh, last year they didn't run the ball really well. Uh, but based on game one, um, that offensive line did the job because they were dynamic in both the run and protecting and Patrick and Mahomes. So I always feel like if Kansas City can have any balance and get a run game going, they are unstoppable.
5: Tony, I want to get your opinion on who you think the, the cream of the crop is in that AFC West. The, obviously, the Denver Broncos took a terrible loss on Monday and uh, the Chargers eked out a win and, and Kansas City looked very good in their first win. Who do you who do you think that, uh, is the cream of the crop in that division?
0: I, I still think it's Kansas City. I think Kansas City has the best quarterback. I think they have the best head coach. And um, I, I think they're going to be tough to beat. If, if all things being equal and everybody staying healthy – um, I think it's going to be Kansas City that wins the division. Now it's going to be tight because you know week in and week out you have four good teams, and probably Denver being, you know, and I'm not just saying this because of the loss uh, against Seattle, which was a bad loss opening day because I thought you know I thought they were the better team, but uh, if you look at all four teams, I mean Kansas is at the top, you know, probably the Chargers and then the Raiders and then and the Broncos, but any of those teams can beat each other on any given week, so. Uh, it's going to be a, a dogfight. It's the best division in football.
4: And finally, Tony Baselli, you still have a very close association with the Jaguars. I keep an eye on Jacksonville. Shad Khan is a local guy. Mark Lamping was the president of the Cardinals for years. He's a, a St. Louis native. So I, I keep an eye on the Jags. What do you think of how things are going under Doug Peterson? Are they headed towards turning a corner?
0: Yes, before I talk about that, you got two, you, you just mentioned two great guys in shotgun and Mark Lambe. Mark Lambe is a good friend of mine, and boy, we're fortunate to have him in Jacksonville. What a great leader he is. Um, and now I think they got equally a, a really good leader on the other side of the aisle from the business in Doug Peterson. Um, it was a great hire, and and he had his hands full. And what he has done in a, just a short time in this offseason is completely flipping the culture because it was a disaster from Urban Meyer. And uh, I think Doug Peterson's going to get it going. They had a tough loss; it's a game they should have won opening day. But they're so young, and it's going to take some time for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's a, he's a talented; he's going to be really good. But last year was a lost year, in my opinion, for him. And now with Doug in there, uh, they've added some weapons around them. The, the, for, I mean, it's going to be a bumpy road this year. Just they're going to learn; they have to learn how to win. Uh, but they got some talent, and they got the right head coach. And I think the better days are ahead for this franchise.
4: Tony Baselli, great stuff. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. We'll be tuned in tonight with you and I and Eagle here on 101 ESPN. And again, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Way overdue and well deserved. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. That is Hall of Famer, Tony Baselli of Westwood One. He will be on the air tonight. And man, was he when he played those six years, <laughs> he was as good as it got. When Houston yeah. took him in the expansion draft, mm-hmm. I I thought the, there was nobody else out there. Right. Tony Muselli was so easy, even though he had the injured shoulder, yeah. never played it down. He was so easy for me as the number 1 pick in that expansion draft.
5: I mean, to, to go through, as he said, to go from college to, to the Jacksonville that had no history or mm-hmm. no, nothing, they knew nothing about what to do in, in, in terms of football in that city. And now, to see where they are now, if you go down to Jacksonville for a game Maybe not last year, but yeah. in years past, it was it was an exciting time.
7: Tony Baselli was so good. I honestly think David Carr might think more about that injury than he does. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> good point. Like, good point. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He has to watching the Hall of Fame thing, like. You could have seen so much pain. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he
4: was something. So great to have him on. Coming up next, Greg Amsinger of MLB Network with a a late join today on the the opening drive, but a, a join nonetheless next on 101 ESPN. You're back
3: to the opening drive podcast on
2: 101 ESPN.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: zinger is lead anchor for mlb network he's a proud alum of the lindenwood university loves college football loves to tailgate and needs to find a tailgate this weekend or at least i need to find a tailgate this weekend uh greg is with us on the broad and croup and celebrity i I don't know what to do i don't know where to go
9: oh let me tell you i'm about to make your life so much happier randy i'm throwing a gigantic tailgate party I give all the credit to my lovely wife, Erica. She's been working, you know, through the night with vendors. This thing's bananas. It's bananas. It's a spectacle, okay? You're invited. Bring your lovely wife. It's going to be a wonderful time. President John Porter, Lindenwood University, they've been welcoming me with open arms. All I'll say is this. The school went out to get a generator. They went out to get a generator. (laughs) from my tailgate. So this is going to be legit, and I can't wait to see you on Saturday.
5: Greg, we had Coach Stugart on yesterday with us, head football coach from Lindenwood, and I, I think you all are going to have a great time this weekend. They have made this transition to D- Division One football, and and I expect them to do well, and I'm looking forward to hearing the stories on, on Monday or Tuesday from from this Greg Amzinger and Randy Kerrigan tailgate event that you got going down.
9: So I got a major decision to make. So Coach Stugart, who's such a gem, I asked for a couple of Linda Wood football jerseys because I wanted to wear one, have my wife wear one. I thought that would be cute. So he sends me the, uh, an XL for me, a big 6'5", right? And he goes, just so you know, the players like to wear the jerseys really skin tight. So I put, <laughs> put the jersey on. And I mean... My goodness, I think I got on the treadmill immediately after I put it on. And my wife's like, you're not wearing that. You're not allowed to wear I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm wearing this. Of course I'm wearing this. She's like, you cannot wear that. And then I find out from the school they want me to do the coin toss, like the official coin toss at the 50-yard line. And then my wife's like, well, now you really cannot wear that football uniform. So this is a major decision. It's a major decision I have to make. It's a big deal.
4: Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, as you're sitting at the desk at MLB Network and you have all of the games up before you, and you're, we know you focus on the Cardinals, but there are so many storylines. Last night, 325 for Weino and Yachty. The pursuit of 700 by Albert. The fact that the team is so good. For a long time, Paul Goldschmidt uh, zeroing in on a possible triple crown. Do you have a favorite storyline for the Cardinals this year?
9: Oh, my goodness. You know, can I tell you what I thought about? Uh, And when you're around all these great baseball people that watch the game differently, like Buck Showalter never watches the ball. Everyone else watches the ball. So while we're busy watching the baseball, he watches every other nuance, and he tells us about it later. This is my my takeaway last night from the game that I was, of course, locked into. Obviously, Albert Pujols with the big double. That was cool. The Wano-Molina moment was epic. Well, that's an unbreakable record. When you ever witness an unbreakable record, you know that's special. But here's what I took away. The last three innings, the Cardinals' relievers, uh, Hicks, Gallegos, Helsley, they got nine outs, six via strikeout. That was uh, – it just planted a seed in the back of my mind going, Cardinals can win the World Series with stuff like that coming out of the bullpen. They can win the World Series. I believe in swinging this stuff, and I've always wondered if the bullpen is good enough for the Cardinals when you compare their bullpen to the others in the National League. If they perform like that against a Brewers team that needs to win every game, this is not the Cincinnati Reds they are going to play this weekend. This is a team with a lot to play for. They're right behind the San Diego race. I mean, they can get in. The fact that they dominated the back end those last three innings made people, huh, I'm going to keep following the bullpen performance as we go down this stretch. If their stuff looks as good as it did last night, especially Gallegos as the bridge to Helsley, the Cardinals, with swing and miss stuff coming out of that pen, could win the World Series. That's how important that is,
5: Greg. That's one of the first things that I talked about with Randy when we came in was the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. How those three performed. If you can get your starting pitcher six innings and, and get those three to to come up in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, you're you're, you're good. Uh, and then if you need container to be a, a come in and, and get out of lefty, you have that as well out of the bullpen. I think that last night was a, a sample for their playoff run and how they plan on going about it. Did you see that as well? Is that how I you did, thought about because, it? Look,
9: yeah, at the end of the day, when you compare the Cardinals starting rotation for any postseason series to the teams that they will face, they will be on the shorter end of the of the conversation pole of which starters got more swinging in this stuff. When every moment is heightened and every pull- player is inevitably playing tighter because it's a playoff game, when the ball is in play, that's a dangerous thing. The teams that get the swing and miss, the teams that don't strike out on the other side of the spectrum, the Kansas City Royals, when they won the World Series, Houston Astros cutting down the strikeouts, they eventually win the World Series. The teams that make more contact offensively, the teams that strike people out when they're on the mound, that's the, that's the special sauce right there. The Cardinals front uh, line starters are not going to win the strikeout game. They're just not. So when they hand over to that bullpen, can those guys – be the polar opposite. Can they throw high octane with tons of spin and get swing and miss? And based on last night, the answer is yes. And if they can continue to do that, they can match up with any of the teams. Because right now the National League is where it's at. That is where the best team in baseball will reside. Whoever wins the NL will be my pick to win the World Series.
4: Greg, I want you to hear something that Adam Wainwright said last night. I, I mentioned to him that the Cardinals, who are second in the National League with their 48 home wins. Only the Dodgers have more. And the Cardinals only trail, and I know there's not a lot of runway left, but they only trail the Mets and Braves by four in the loss column. And I asked Adam if that was kind of a carrot for this Cardinal team. Here's what he said.
1: It's right there, right? Might as well reach for it. That's what we're trying. I mean, that's uh, something we decided a week ago or so. We started looking at that Mets, Braves team, and I don't want to give too much away because I don't want them knowing we're trying to catch them, but uh, they probably know that. Um, That was something we decided as a team that, you know, the, the worst thing that can happen is we get complacent and get comfortable with this big lead we have. There's an opportunity ahead of us. To, to reach that carrot that you said, that whoever's ahead of us get that number two seed. Um, that's a real thing. That could happen. I mean, I've seen this team come back from 10 and a half in September. So, you know, the four doesn't sound like a whole lot to me.
4: Your reaction?
1: I
9: love that. I mean, that's just, that's just being completely candid going, uh, if I can pick playing the Dodgers before the NLCS or wait to play them in the NLCS, what would I pick? Anyone with common sense would say, I want the Dodgers in a seven-game series with no Walker Bueller in the National League Championship Series. Let's not do a division series with them. If we can avoid that at all costs, that's a good thing. Brilliant. Absolutely the truth. And the fact that he shared that with you is awesome because players do talk this stuff. We're not the only ones talking baseball like fans. They love the game. They're big leaguers for a reason. They talk about the same stuff. So, yes, I love hearing that they want to run down the Mets and the Braves because being the number two seed in this bracket will be imperative because even if you are to get past the Dodgers, that would be such a grand undertaking. Good luck lining up your pitching and your weapons out of the pen for the next team you got to face on your quest to the World Series. So that's brilliant, and I'm not shocked that Adam Wainwright would say it.
5: Greg, I think that this team is is poised to make a, a deep playoff run. And one thing that happened last night that may be a small thing to, to some, but it was a big thing to me. Tyler O'Neill beating out a grounder to third base so that Albert could get another at bat. That's just a a, a a soft ground ball to third base that more times than that you may just say okay, it's a it's an out. But he was he was hustling, <laughs> bustling down the, down the line to get to first so that Albert could get one more at bat, which eventually he was able to be able to drive in O'Neill. Good teams do things like that, and I think that this team is. Is poised to make a playoff run because of small details of that of that nature.
9: Well, great players can do so many different things on a field. And what if I could if we could do a whole show on the Cardinals storylines this year, we've never seen a season like this. So it could be an hour-long show with like forty-five storylines. One of them that excites me is that Tyler O'Neal, their best player last year, the best player of the Cardinals last year, has been in hibernation up until the last three weeks. The fact that he's back with more confidence than he's had the entire 2022 campaign, and now in the stretch run of September, you got a star back playing center field. He's a super athlete. We know this. He's going to have a gigantic postseason, which we won't recognize as the the mixed the missed aspect of what the Cardinals needed this year because they're going to win the division title. But the conversation of Cardinals being in the mix to run down the Mets and the Braves is nice. If Tyler O'Neal played the way he did last year, this year, Cardinals would be trying to run down the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's how important he is. So, yes, it was an awesome moment. I'm not shocked by it because Tyler O'Neill can do a little bit of everything. Gold glove defender. He'll throw a guy out from left field. He'll make an incredible diving catch. He'll run through a wall. He'll hit a 500-foot bomb. He'll steal you a money bag. That's an important player to have, and it's almost as if they just got it back. So that's a major storyline to watch.
4: A couple more things for Greg Amsinger. Number one, the Dodgers have the number two, three, and four winners in the National League. The are Bra- the Astros in the American League are number one with Verlander, number two with Valdez, number five with Jose Urquidy. I know a lot of people, Greg, uh, a lot of baseball Observers, a lot of people in the industry aren't big on the pitcher win stat. But those two teams happen to have the most wins in their leagues, too. I don't know how you can discount the fact that pitchers win games.
9: Pitchers win games and pitchers still reign supreme. How many times do you have to watch a classic World Series where Madison Bumgarner comes out of the bullpen to wrap it up against the Kansas City Royals and everyone in Kansas City is like, Oh, no. Here he comes when Chris Yale comes out of the bullpen. When Charlie Morton comes out of the bullpen, Adam Wainwright became uh, who he is by getting the final outs as a closer. And then he eventually went back into the rotation. You know, I hate saying failed starters. That's just a negative description of a reliever. But they don't make as much money as starting pitchers. It's not because of a personality disorder. It's because they can't do the things a starting pitcher can do. Master multiple pitches, perform like they're in a marathon on the mound and not a sprint. And what you're going to see, to your point, these new rules are all put in place to enhance the significance of the starting pitcher. We are going to have guys who will not be able to recoup because they have to throw another 100-mile-an-hour fastball in 15 seconds. A roses Chapman, I, I truly don't know how he's going to be able to pitch anymore. Like he, the, the the recovery time he needs to maximum effort throw his fastball and slider, it takes 35 seconds. I just can't see him performing anymore when there's no one on base in 15 seconds and having any velocity. So the new rules put in place are are, are just supporting what you just laid out, Randy that starting pitchers are important with these new rules next year. Bullpenning will go down dramatically, dramatically, because the reason we love bullpenning guys come in for a short distance, as much velocity as they got, as much spin as they got, they don't know where it's going and they can take as long as they want to recover in between pitches. That's going away. The velocity will go down. They're going to hang that slider with less spin. They're not going to be anything but failed starters again, and the starting pitchers will dominate baseball even more than you laid out
4: going forward. And last thing for Greg Amzinger, I don't know if you read the open letter that Ken Rosenthal wrote to Tony La Russa in The Athletic yesterday. It was difficult to read for me because I have such admiration for Tony La Russa, and Ken Rosenthal, I believe, was correct. Is it time for Tony La Russa to step down?
9: I think it is. I think even Tony knows that. He's got a great relationship with the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. And when Jerry Reinsdorf, who has owned the Bulls and the White Sox, among other things, and has had this incredible career uh, in sports himself, uh, and a very important figure in the commissioner's office, when Jerry Reinsdorf comes out and says, firing Tony La Russa was my biggest regret in my career in sports, that's significant because he's had a lot of moments, a lot of ups and downs. So you know how important Tony La, Rosa, Tony La Russa means to Jerry Reinsdorf. That is where this decision will come from. And Tony admires Jerry. It's a it's a brotherhood. It's really not a friendship. And whatever Jerry wants to do is what is going to end up happening. Uh, my instincts tell me he's going to be connected to the team throughout the end of the year. I still refuse to write off the White Sox out of the playoffs. I'm the only one saying it. They get the easiest schedule next to the Mariners in the American League, and I think they can pull it off. The Guardians are on a hot streak, but their schedule is about to get more difficult, and I think the White Sox can do the impossible. Miguel Cairo has, has been groomed for this. Great baseball mind, but at the end of the year, I think you'll see the announcement. And and when it does happen, you know people like to grill those who go outside the normal cone of, of, of decisions. But Tony La Russa going out on his terms and coming back and wanting to give it one more go. When you're a Hall of Fame manager, when you're one of the greatest managers of, of our lifetime, I'm okay with you making that call. And if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But let the Hall of Famer make that decision. And and that's Tony La Russa, who, like you, Randy, I, I truly admire and, and uh, I really hope for a speedy recovery for Tony.
4: Greg Amsinger, always great to hear your voice. It'll be great to see your your, your face on Saturday Safe Travels, and uh, go Lions.
9: And go get back on the elliptical, because i got to get to that football
4: game. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, brother. See you later. Take care. That's Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, on 101 ESPN. That was awesome. I just...
5: Awesome. Instant offense. Instant offense. offense. Yes. Come come ready to play and ready to roll. He's a beauty. Yep. Next up, rock and roll on 101 ESPN. You are back to
2: the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Let's rock. Let's rock today. getting rock and roll
4: and Matthew Rocky will have some things for us and we will roll with them. One quick note that you should know is that Roger Federer, probably the best male tennis player of all time, has announced his retirement. He's going to play one more tournament I believe
5: and then he'll be done as dinner. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the top tennis players to ever play the game, and, you know, when you think of Federer, you think of Nadal, you think of Djokovic, mm-hmm. you, you kind of tie, lump all three of them together, and, and because of what they've done, you know, of their, over their entire career, just the the... The legacy that that, that he is leaving now that he's retiring. I'm sure those other two are (laughs) happy that he's going to run in. No doubt. Can can win some more tournaments in his absence. Rock
7: and roll. A good thing to bring up because I wanted to talk about we have one GOAT in males tennis obviously saying he's going to retire and just a week ago we were talking about maybe the GOAT in all of tennis retiring in Serena Williams. She was on Good Morning America yesterday and they asked her about the possibility of her returning to the game and her response was simply I don't know. Tom Brady started a real cool trend though. What are you Guys, <laughs> think: Are we gonna see Serena Williams again in an official, maybe even Grand Slam match again in her career?
4: Well, number one, Brett Favre did it before she did it. Yeah, yeah but we
7: don't really want to talk about him right now. Yeah, we're, Roger, we're, Roger we're.
4: Clemens was doing it. Also, yeah, Michael Jordan, also Jordan did. Also, don't want to talk about him. Yeah. There you go. Jordan that's did that's it. the one. There Michael, he Michael Jordan retired a couple yeah, times. Yeah, he came so back. It's not. It's not a new trend. Man, yeah.
5: No, Serena, don't do it. Don't do it. You. You know what I think, Randy? Is is when you talk about some of the greatest players to ever play the game. There is, a, there is something inside of them. I, I felt like I was very good, but clearly not a Hall of Famer, not, uh, not, not to that level. There is something in them that does not allow them to just say, I'm done. I think at Michael Jordan's retirement, at his, um, at his Hall of Fame speech, he mm-hmm. spoke about, I still feel like, I yeah. he's 50 years old, I, I still feel like I can do this. Because it's, it's it, obviously the, the physical ability is there, but it's more of the mental ability. And when you have great players like Serena, like Michael Jordan, like uh, 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 Tom Brady, they do not ever feel like they're finished. And, and I think she may actually get herself in, in great shape, maybe take six months to a year. And you may see her playing tennis again. Just just one more time for herself, just to prove that she can go out on the terms that she wants to go out on. Her mind, obviously, is willing. Yeah. And we know that mentally
4: she can play. But physically, even if she gets in the best shape she can at the age of 42, if she's playing against 22-year-olds, yeah. it's going to be really tough. And I just don't see how it's going to go any better than the way it went at
5: that U.S. Open for Serena, you wanted to end the way that it ended and not not come back and tarnish anything. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't want to right. see her losing in the first round in straight sets. Yeah, I got you. I, I can agree with that. I, I still think she's going to try though, I just because be yeah. that's just the makeup of, of of those type of athletes.
7: We also talked a little bit about the Robert Sarver discussion. LeBron James, you know, came out pretty strongly. I just want to go back really quickly to the press conference yesterday held by NBA Commissioner. Um, why am I blanking on his first Adam name? Silver. Adam, Adam Silver. Silver. I knew it was silver. I'm like, I don't want to say Nick. Nick. I don't know why. Silver. <laughs> Adam Silver. That's his name. Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. Now, listen, we know how the commissioner's job works. They're working for the owners out there. So I don't I don't expect him to come out there and just completely, you know, spike the f- proverbial football and dunk on Robert Sarver for this. But nonetheless, and I thought some of his answers were bad. The one being played a lot, you're going to hear a lot, and I'm going to play it right now. His question when asked, why is this being treated differently than, let's say, an NBA employee acting like this way and immediately getting fired.
11: You, you alluded to it, Howard, that there are particular rights here of someone who owns an NBA team as, to some, as opposed to somebody who is an employee. I, I, the equivalent of a $10 million fine and a one-year suspension, I don't know how to measure that against
7: a job. Well, the one-year suspension's one year. The job is, you know, you're getting terminated. fired forever. You need to terminated. I understand there's a difference between an employee and an owner, but he later on went to talk about how he can't just rip a team away from an owner and there's protocol and things like that. Nonetheless, I thought it was a disappointing show from the NBA, and not just because of this press conference, not just because of that answer, but because many times in the press conference he talked about how this has been something that was a long time ago, and that's why and that's mm. why the punishment isn't on him. We have facts. We have reporting. We have quotes of him doing things as early as, as 2019 of sexually harassing people and using the n-word um, and recounting somebody else's quotes that's not a long time ago that's not 2012 or 2009 the first events in these things i cannot believe the way the nba copped out yesterday when they had it right in front of them and there's been all this reporting around it i
5: like adam silver i think he he does a good job in most things i think he dropped the ball with that statement comparing owners to to employees right is right and wrong is wrong it doesn't matter what status you have in a company if you are if you are disparaging people if you are using negative words if you are being if you are sexually harassing people you should not be in a position to have that job whether you own the company or not and and that's I think that's that's disheartening to hear that from Adam Silver because I know I, I believe that he is a very good man with good va- good core values, but I think in that instance he made a poor decision that was with poor words and and I think you you're going to see more basketball is is the NBA is much different than than any other uh, professional sport because the players are so uh, they advocate for so many things and their words really do matter in what they say and what they do. I think you're going to hear more NBA players speaking out about this the more that it, it gets talked about and eventually you're going to have a point where the nba players will say you know what we don't want to play or we don't need to play or we're not going to mm-hmm. play in phoenix we're not going to play against that team we're not going to have you won't have free agents going to phoenix willingly to participate on their on their team because if this person is still in ownership why should we play for that person, or why should we play in that city when they're when he's receiving money for every game that is made that is played?
4: I'm with you. I think ultimately the players will force the hands of owners, and that was one of the things that happened with Donald Sterling. I have two observations. Number one, I believe if Sarver's quotes were recorded and we heard them, that he would already be gone. But I also am of the we we all know this. The owners are. The bosses right now and they're they're adam silver's bosses what he needs to do is get a group of owners together that says we aren't going to put up with this. Yeah. This is not what we stand for. This is not what we're about. We need to do the right thing. But it, it can't be silver. I think it's got to be a group of other owners like it was with Sterling.
5: Well, and, and I think the thing that causes that is when you have LeBron James, when you have uh, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant speaking and saying, we're not, we're not for this. We're not going to stand for this. We're not going to accept this. And when those players who, who make the amount of money that they make and have the power that they have, when they start speaking out about it, mm-hmm. I think you'll see that change happen.
7: Speaking of some changes not really happening, uh, Greg Norman was asked about the consternation between the Live Tour and the PGA Tour when he was on an interview in Australia. He said, listen, I don't care, we got a product that's working, I do not want to work with the PGA Tour, I don't see any of us working together in the future. I just have a quick question Randy, is the product for the Live Tour working? No, not really. No, it's uh, it's certainly not
4: drawing a lot of viewers. No, they've got a Chicago tournament coming up where they've got half price tickets. Mm. Uh, they're going on Facebook and selling half price tickets. <laughs> so that part of it isn't working. You've got a lot of broken down players. I, I really enjoyed watching Bryce Kepka or Brooks Kepka and Bryson Deschambeau. But they're injured and they aren't even competing at a high level in the Live Tour, let alone on the PGA Tour before that. They might steal John Rom, but I still don't know how they're going to get a massive viewership. And I don't know if they have a business plan, if they care to have a business plan, but if they do have an idea of making this a business, I don't know how they make it profitable.
5: Doesn't Greg Norman have a an axe to grind with the PGA? Is, is yeah. He has has always had a, a grudge with them, so it, that's what he's going to say. He's going to to say, "I don't care about them. We're doing well, even though you know stats and statistics and, and the analytics and and the numbers may say otherwise. The numbers that that matter to them is how much money they're shelling out to these players for them to play. And obviously, that's the only thing that the players that are that are over there care about. Right. They don't care about who's watching or who's who's paying attention because they're making their money, but I don't know that this is sustainable for them to continue that way if they are not making any any money because of because of the lack of revenue via ticket sales or or, or or TV. And I don't know how many people care. I hope a lot of people care. But if I were the
4: representative of one of these guys going over to the live tour, I would make sure that that those players, those golfers, knew about what happened to Jamal Kasagi, mm-hmm. who was. While well alive cut up by a bandsaw by people hired by the Saudi government and the Saudi government was a big part of and a huge financier of what happened on 9-11 yes if I'm an American golfer I'm go- with any brains whatsoever I'm gonna take pause before I sign on with these people
7: also, the stuff because of the stuff going on in Ukraine, no one wants to work with Russia. Who's the one country who started working more with Russia in the last year? Yeah, there Saudi, you go, Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia, no doubt not, about it. Not exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and again, this st- all this live tour stuff started with one of the big proponents of it, Phil Mickelson, saying these are some scary mfers. Even yeah. the guy working with them acknowledged it, and, and-,
5: and still decided. You know that, that that to me speaks. It, it tells you that most people are, are are they're gonna chase the money, and I I personally don't think money and and is more valuable than than one's health or safety. So we'll see how this how how all of this
7: pans out because it it seems a little fishy, a little shaky. Mm-hmm. Got one more. This one's a little bit more personal, but also I think, uh, Carrie's got some great insight here. My fantasy team uh, is is in dire straits right now because Cam Akers <laughs> is just not getting any looks right now from the rams after week one and i'm a little worried what might happen in week two and the rams and cam acre might have shown a little light on it apparently sean mcvan him had a conversation in training camp about him showing more urgency cam Akers was shocked that they limited his snaps in week one because he thought the entire issue was wrapped up. He then acknowledged, if coach don't think I'm being urgent, then I need to be more urgent. That's what it comes down to. Have you ever seen a situation like this where a player goes into a game completely unaware of how the coaching staff is aware of his effort and things like that?
5: Uh, Well, I will say that good coaches tend to be open, have open and honest conversations, and, and if he was not performing at the level that they thought he needed to be, they should have told him that, you know, blatantly told him verbatim, this is what we need from you and this is what we're seeing. If he thought he was gonna get more carries and went into that game and was shocked that he didn't get the touches that he thought he deserved, that that is a uh, that's a that's a bit of an issue. I think you may want to sit him this weekend, Rocky. That that would be my personal opinion. I don't know who you got on your bench. I, I got
7: the handcuff. Luckily, I got I got Henderson. I got the handcuff. I, wouldn't,
5: I don't know that. I mean, they're gonna throw the ball to Cooper Cup twenty five times. So <laughs> don't think it matters about a handcuff. It's about Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup getting the ball. I mean, even even Robinson didn't get didn't get. targets that many targets so yeah they're going to throw the ball to Cooper they're not worried about the run game who cares about running the ball right
4: my all-time oblivious NFL running back story is Le'Veon Bell who's driving to the airport for a preseason game gets pulled over because he's been smoking weed and when he opens the window (laughs) there's smoke that comes out of his car and he gets pulled over and they find the he's got uh, you know he's been puffing the magic dragon and they arrest him for driving under the influence, and he
5: says, I wasn't under the influence, I was just smoking weed. <laughs> that is a—he <laughs> had, he had no clue. What, no, he didn't understand no the idea. rules and regulations or laws at that point. I just, I just don't understand how Lady on Bell didn't have a longer career. Oh, my goodness. He, he blew that. He did that to himself. Yeah, quite literally. He is punching yeah. people and knocking them out in the rings, though, so there's that. That's just yeah, yeah, Adrian, that's, yeah, Adrian, that's just Adrian Peterson. Peterson. He's never yeah. fought
7: anybody his size. Well, oh oh there we go you're right he's not wrong (laughs) hey randy gary can get those ones i I, I, I (laughs) can get one of those in come Uh, on now all
4: right so let's switch this up oh jesus
7: and i I, and i and i i I bow to the king i I got a good one and then randy comes in with an even better one i bow to the king on that one randy all right among our guests tomorrow
4: we're going to talk to joseph charleston Strong safety at the University of Missouri. Who we got? Who else? Isn't there somebody else on Friday that we have? Jay Delsing. Oh, Jay Delsing. Yeah, 730. We're going to talk some golf with him. And uh, we'll have, obviously, a review, a look back at tonight's Cardinals game against the Reds. 645 with that one. And Chiefs and Chargers tonight here on 101 ESPN. So we'll hear about that as well. Great job by our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Kerry, this is
5: fun. This, this is Friday Eve. we are almost a whole weekend. Almost a whole weekend. And and tomorrow is going to be a good, good time for us. And go Hawks. Looking forward to it.
4: We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a
2: great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101
3: ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
4: GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV even help with homeowners or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy, simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.
0: Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music
10: and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're gonna pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.